Hey everybody. Welcome back to Balanced Exchange. You're here again with Papa Bear and... Cronus. And this time we're going to talk about social programs and socialism, sort of. Okay. Maybe. Hey, it's me, Rasan. I don't know, man. Huge hole in my, you know... Yeah. <laughs> understanding. My fellow Americans. <laughs> Papa Bear here. As long as you're, whatever you're doing doesn't hurt anyone else, I don't care. Different perspective of what an interesting topic is, I would assume. This is... This is Balanced Exchange. <laughs> and, and oh you say socialism a little bit maybe well we're gonna, i'm gonna start off with talking about socialism and like what it actually yeah. means i had to look i had to look it up because you know we have social programs in america and you hear the word socialism thrown, thrown around a lot and communism yeah. too and i was like all right let me uh let me get into this obviously we already talked about you know communism and i think some socialism mainly communism yeah. in a previous podcast in a previous podcast i know when we talked about ubi we we hit it a little bit a little bit yeah not not like as a focal point. So. Yeah. So socialism isn't the focal point of this one, but so American social programs are going to be the focal, focal point. And I wanted to actually start off with actually talking about what socialism socialism yeah. is. Um, so people kind of understand like where I'm coming from. Actually, no, wait. Before we start any of that, we're missing out on a tradition here that we always do. Oh. It is uh, yes. Papa Bear, what are you reading? Uh, oh, so what I'm reading... So it's funny. I, f I finished... Um, uh, all my credits that I've, I so I broke my rule because you got me hooked on this and I got <laughs> every single credit I had yeah. I spent on Awaken Online. Mm. I spent all of them. I'm glad so I like read it. I read not just like the main storylines, which is one, two, and three, but uh, like the one and a half and the two and a half stories also side the quest. side quest. Yeah. <laughs> so I read all of those and I was done for the month and I'm like, well, I still got like a week before oh. I get more credits. Oh, what you're missing you're missing three. So then, huh? You're missing three. There's three other ones. The, yeah, but I don't have credits. Yeah, credits. So yeah. Have, okay, you wait for the credits. All right. <laughs> so, so there were there was a bunch of free stuff that sounded interesting. Uh, so let me look at what the title was. I can't remember it. But it's so far it's been actually pretty good. Um, there's an Audible original like creation that they yes. did. Uh, so it's called Unsold, and it's by Will White. Oh yes, actually I was gonna. It's the Cradle series. I was gonna recommend that. Yeah. To you. Yeah, I've read the whole series. So, yeah, I'm oh, all caught up. It, so far, it's pretty good. I was like, this is pretty good for a free book. Everything's free. The whole, everything he wrote is free right now. Yeah, it's the, uh, it's what they call cultivation novels. So, hmm. they're uh, basically somebody cultivates techniques and, and gets better. And, yeah, um, I love that series. Um, yeah. It's, it's very, it's like, it's lit RPG adjacent. Yeah, so, it's close. Yeah, yeah. They don't have stats per se, but they sort of have stats. So Yeah, you well, because the the badges like kind of sort of count as levels, you know. Yeah, yeah and then the badges. Ah, oh, damn it! With you get further in the book series, yeah. it's like it's it's really good. I, I'm glad you found yeah. that one on your own. <laughs> totally on accident. Yep. Well, you know what's funny? Like the the only reason why I know about the the Cradle series is because I read the first couple books of Awaken Online, and so I was mm -hmm. uh, tweeting at Travis Baltry. I'm sorry, Travis. Ah, what's his last name? Travis, something. Uh, is the author? Or? Yeah, he's the author. Pretty sure it's, it's Travis something. But um, Bagwell. Yeah, Travis Bagwell. So I was tweeting at him. I was like, "Hey man, love your books. Um, what books do you recommend?" And so he recommended the Cradle series and like something else, oh, which I read too. So yeah, he got me into that that book series. Nice. 
Right. And, and you, what are you reading? I am reading uh, Seize the Day. Seize is in a body of water. Seize the Day. It's a very punny hmm. book. Um, and it's the bad guys uh, book series, uh, book five. So it's also a lit RPG um, hmm. series. So it's it's really funny because it's about a, a guy that's a bad guy that's yeah. trying to go through these series of events. It's it's, it's pretty cool. So you said as soon as you said the bad guys, this just happened yesterday. Addison just watched all of the Descendants movies or whatever again. So oh, it's nice. Like, <laughs> it's like. It made me think. I was like, "Oh, it's like like this sentence. Like they're they're trying to be main characters instead of just being villains." Yeah, nice. And are you uh are you drinking anything tonight? Yeah. So unfortunately, it's not cold yet because we put everything in the fridge and I hadn't put any new drinks in. There are those two belching beavers in there, and I was really tempted, but I've been good today, so I was like, "No, I'm not breaking my keto stuff." So, <laughs> uh, so I now have uh, a truly still, but this is the passion fruit one. Nice. So it's not super cold. It's our house is pretty cold anyways, but um, it's room temperature. I ran out of Trulies today, so I, I had the, my, my last Trulie lemonade. Mm-hmm. I got to order some more from Costco, probably tomorrow. The lemonades are way better. Like, this is the original, like, standard seltzers, and that's, this has nothing on it. Like, I want my lemonades back. Yeah, yeah. The lemonades are they're great, but sometimes they give me, like, a little bit of heartburn in the middle of the night. Just a little mm-hmm. bit. So yeah, enough citrus in them, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's it. Um, so hopefully it's not sugar, because usually those that can give me a smart burn too if I have too much. But it shouldn't be sugar, because there's very little carbs. Yeah. It's probably got sugar alcohols or something in it. But Yeah, yeah. And I am drinking, I think I think this is the winner of the Bistro's Double IPA Fest from a couple weeks back. Um, and it's Alpha Acid Brewing, um, Emerald Hills Double IPA. And it is quite delicious, and... If this is the alpha acid I'm thinking of, which I can tell in a minute if I can see what city they're from. Um, yes, in Belmont. They used to have a beer called Blacker Than the Black is Black Times Infinity, which is hilarious. And I've talked to the owner multiple times to try to get them to bring the goddamn beer back, and they haven't done it yet. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, you're like, hey, we'll put it. Here, here's, the, here's the label you should put on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, once you, if you ever brought, brought it back, um, they, I, apparently they use, they use it as a base for another beer, which is also a really good mm. beer, but I just... And we both had the same name for the same reason. It was yeah. a show called Metalocalypse. And it was just a funny line that they had. So, Yeah, you mentioned that it's not what um, I would expect and should look look it up and then I figured that out. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's about Duncan Hill's coffee being the blackest and the blacker, blacker and the blackest black times affinity. The way Nathan Explosion likes his coffee. So, yeah. <laughs> the. Uh talking about the drinks not being cold too though but now so two things are going to change one there will be a fridge in here as soon as i can get it moved from my like isolation room i was in for a little while because i bought a fridge and had it delivered to that place the red one right (laughs) Uh, yeah the red one nice and then uh we moved the the kitchen fridge the old one into the garage so the bottom like crisper drawers all of them were totally janky like they barely stay in place nothing worked right so i was like i'm taking all those drawers out and it's going to be a keg. Nice. Like a <laughs> I'm going to get the kegerator in the garage. So, I have a kegerator in here and another fridge, like a small. Yeah, you said that. I was like, man, you know what? It's got to happen. It's I don't not- know about being in here because that fridge it gets loud sometimes. It's like I'm really loud. So yeah, I thought that might have been the water thing. That might have been the water system in it making all that noise, and now it doesn't have water hooked up. Well, I guess you'll find out. Well, it's in the garage. I'll be making so much noise I won't hear it anyways. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Those those are fun projects. So I guess, uh, go ahead. No, those are fun projects. Make, making a kegerator. They're fun projects. 
Yeah, that's going to have to go to the bottom of the project list, though, because I still got an arcade to make that needs to go in the corner right over there. Yeah. And that's definitely next. So Priorities. But I was going to say, uh, should we make this a moment to go ahead and give everybody a public service announcement? Yes. Um, we have a new store on Teespring. So if you look up Balance Exchange. Oh, you're talking about the other one. So at this point in watching our videos, you may or may not know that I am an active duty United States Marine. And I've been doing this for 20 plus years, so I know that um, it's really important for me to make sure to get this out there. If it's your first time watching this, please stick around and make sure you understand the disclaimer. If you've watched a whole lot of our episodes so far, feel free to go ahead and jump ahead to the new content. Um, so what I need to talk about today is that I am not authorized and have no way of being approved to speak on behalf of the Marine Corps. So any opinion that I give or any concept that I discuss today is the position and the opinion of just me, myself, just a man who has a bachelor's degree in political science and a master's degree in leadership and organizational management and has spent my whole life looking at government structures and social contracts and how these things are supposed to work, what the philosophies and things behind them are, and read a lot of books on that kind of stuff. And it's definitely one of my personal and key passions. And so when you hear me maybe give a position or a concept on something, that is only my own position. I am not a public affairs officer for the Marine Corps. I am in no way giving what the Marine Corps' official position on anything would be. And honestly, a lot of the topics we're going to cover here, I'm pretty sure the Marine Corps doesn't have a particular position on. Um, so if you do have any questions about what the Marine Corps' policy on certain things could be, you can definitely research that and find those out um, or leave a comment or send us a message uh, if you can get a hold of us somehow. We can maybe be able to answer those questions for you. So, with that said, let's get you back to this week's content. The other no, no, that works too. Oh, this one works too. Well, that one will get dropped in and then, yeah, we'll edit some stuff out. <laughs> so, you get a PSA on top of uh, uh, we have merch now. So, PSA and then add. You're like, oh, come on, people. Yeah. So, we'll start we'll soon. Don't worry. <laughs> anyway, we, we have a, a store on Teespring. Um, and it's with some of the things that we've, that we've said on here, like, you know, um, decentralize everything. And there was a few others that, um, like, infrastructure is sexy, you know. That was my favorite. Like, that's my favorite so far. Put a little bit of effort into that one. Um, what was the first one? It was, oh, like, scarcity versus abundance. But yes. I, I don't know. I may need to rework that because I feel like that needs needs something. If anybody's got a good idea for how we could depict that better. I thought about having, like, scarcity really small and, like, abundance really big. And maybe it doesn't even fit right, right? Like, it's like... Gotta be chunked into two words or something. Yeah. Two, two words. I don't know, but I think it needs to look different. But uh, check it out. I mean, I'm trying to make them so that they're fun to wear, but also can help you make a statement. Because I think the topics we talk about and like the lessons we're trying to learn from each other and, and help everybody else understand, like it's important in these conversations we need to be, be having, and it might spark that conversation with somebody. Especially the like infrastructure is sexy one. I think someone's going to be like, "What?" And yeah. you have to explain. <laughs> yeah, and it'll be good. <laughs> And also it'll help. It's kind of hoping mine would be here by the time we have this one. So. Yeah, I ordered one as well. Um, hopefully I'll get it in the next couple of weeks. But it also will you know, help us out you know, to get these going. Because actually, these take up a lot more time for me, at least me, to like make a podcast. These take up more time for me to like prepare for. Because I have to like actually do a good amount of research. And right. my time is worth money. Considerable amounts of money. Yeah. <laughs> so... Same. Yeah. And I, like normally when, when it's my turn, like I, I felt a little bit relieved today because it's your turn that like I didn't have to come in with notes ready. I don't have anything. And I, I totally forgot about the time. I was like, oh, oh, my God. I was like, well, at least I don't have to be fully prepared. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get to just come off the cuff and try to help you out. 
And luckily, I was prepared today. So, yeah, I, I did a, a good amount of research for this one. So, anyway, we'll get oh, back man, to, to the topic. So, the first thing I want to talk about is what socialism socialism actually means, like the actual definition of it. And then we'll get in kind of the meat and potatoes of, uh, of this podcast, which is about U.S. social programs. Okay, so socialism... Yep. Uh, means it is an economic and, and political system. It is an economic theory of social organization. It states that the means of making, moving, and trading wealth should be owned or controlled by the workers. This means the money made belong made belongs to the workers who make the yeah. products instead of groups or private owners. That's the basic um, definition of. Uh, socialism and if you're into marxist theory um it's a, it's a traditional social state um to overthrow capitalism uh and then they'll have the realization of communism so and when we want to get into communism um it's basically an, an economic ideology that advocates for cla- for a classless society in which all property and wealth are community owned instead of by individuals so i think that for the most part most people when they say uh socialism and communism uh, they kind of have wrong views based on those two definitions. Because when most people talk about socialism and especially communism, like, what are the first two countries you think of? Papa Bear? USSR. Yep. And the other one is? China. Yeah. Those are the first two that always come up to mind, right? And yep. a distant third will probably be Cuba, right? Yes, most people think of it. Cuba is a socialist country or, or a communist country, mm-hmm. you know, however you want to think about it. Um, and I, I found it fascinating that over the past, uh, year or so, actually for a while now, now I've done the research for a while now, when anytime, uh, we start talking about social programs, inevitably mm-hmm. somebody will say these, we should not go down the road of, of socialism because it, or communism, because these are either communist or socialist programs that we should not have in the United States because communism bad, socialism bad. Um, but the problem is, is that we have all these programs already done in America that are, you know, they are social programs, but they are by no means socialist programs or communist programs at all. Um, if if you go by the definitions that I just talked about, because, um, I'm going to wrap this up at the end of the podcast, but, um, basically in America, we, none of the programs that we have are actually really pushing us anywhere close to socialism. Like, not at all, because we have a lot of things that we're missing to really get to that point. And I think that most people don't really seem to re- don't seem to realize that. So I'm going to go through a few of the um, most popular social programs that we have in the U.S. that uh, some people uh, think are socialist um, in nature. And so okay. these are just some of them, not not all of them. And I'd love to hear, you, obviously, this kind of be input. What's huge up? list. Yeah, it'd be a huge list. So I'm just going by the ones that are more commonly known. Um, by mm-hmm. most people, um, everything I said sound right to you so far. You're the political science guy, so yeah, yeah. So I mean, as far as definitions go, yeah. And I think that what's great about it. So it, if if you ever get a chance, even if even if you can only read the first like two two chapters or so, anybody listening of Marx's like primary document of talking about his concepts. If you just get through that, it talks about the bourgeoisie and like how the the worker needs to you know own things and what that would difference would make. And it, if um, you know the the like thought experiment of 
the man like who is in a cave in entire darkness and like and, and can only see one slit slit out into the world or whatever and then whatever they see there is all that they would know of the world right so yes. it limits their thoughts it's it's similar to that so that if the only thing that that person ever sees is a tree and that's all that it is and it sits there and moves constantly but that's what they can see of the world that to them would be the whole world right um so it's it's a thought experiment to then say what if you shift what that perspective is how would that affect the person's mindset and what they think of and it's not realistic right none of us live in a cave in darkness with one slit of light that is all we ever see but it's important to think through these problems and think through these thought experiments in order to say what would be in this unique state you know the the state of the human mind and that's kind of what he goes with i think that the issue that most face was that or most organizations face that really went towards trying to go towards it is that it's unrealistic to be able to accomplish uh, if you're trying to like put it in place. It has to has to grow, and and that's what he talks about. But um, it, it's, that has never happened ever. So even in this this scenario where we talk about these states that are socialist or are communist, like they're not pure communist from the sense that they grew to it and are doing it in the purest sense that Marx sent because it's unrealistic to think that humanity could ever do it. It was a thought experiment to say, what are the things we should be doing if things were perfect? So. Yeah. And I'll get to, I'll talk some more about what you just said kind of later yeah. in the podcast. Cause yeah, you're right. Just a newsflash. Nobody has ever really implemented pure communism or pure socialism. They yeah. haven't because it doesn't work for a multitude of reasons. So <laughs> it's a, and that's why, that's why it's, that's why it's so, you know, such a bad word. When you talk about these things is like, Oh, it's a socialist program. It's like, it's not going to, first off that, that doesn't inherently mean it's going to fail. Explain to me why, what your belief is that that means that it's automatically going to be a failed project. Yes. And so this, that, that whole thought process is what led me down. This whole thing yeah. is like, what are they talking about? Like, We've had these other social programs, so let's let me look up, look into them and then see how they fit into the confines of socialism or communism. So, the first one I, I want to bring up um, is uh, the temporary assistance for those in need, and that is basically uh, welfare. So, even though it kind of replaced welfare, but everybody assumes that it's welfare. Um, the 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 name or the words you just used that's like a literal name for it and it's like now basically an acronym or something yeah it's T A N F if you look up T A N F wow. that's that's what it means it's temporary assistance okay. for those in need even though it's weird because the letters are not the same but oh hold on, hold on. no 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 here we go here we go here we go sorry because when I looked it up it gave me two different things and one of them was obviously yeah. incorrect it's the temporary assistance for needy families. Uh, but okay. when they, I think the bill was called something else, though, the, the, was the first right. thing I said. Okay. I look up the bill. And then they built the program and the program. Okay, got yes. it. Yeah, yeah. And it was to replace um, certain other social programs that we had. So uh, TANF was created uh, by the Personal uh, Responsibility and Work Opportunity Reconciliation Act of 1996. Um, TANF is a program that provides states and territories. Um, with flexibility in operating programs designed to help low-income families with children to achieve economic self-sufficiency. States use TANF to fund monthly cash assistance uh, payments uh, to low-income families with children, uh, as well as a wide range of services. So this basically replaced having to go to, like, food banks and getting, like, you know, like government cheese and, sh you know, stuff like that. 
Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So now, now today, you see people get like these. Um, the I think it's the, it's the ETF cards. EBT. Yeah, EBT. There you go. You get EBT cards. So you can do electronic um, transactions instead of having to do like these weird like food vouchers and stuff like that, which is yep. incredibly difficult and obviously outdated um, today. So um, that was a social program that got a lot of opposition for being a socialist movement um, to help uh, poor families. It's also a very flawed um, program as far as I'm concerned because there's means testing built in. And so what that means is you have to meet a certain requirement um, to uh, to qualify for this program. And if you go above that, then you're automatically those all those benefits are shipped away. So what can happen? I know this from friends and obviously other stories that are out there um, is that if you are working um, and you're in your uh, low income, you, you could be on TANF. Um, and various other programs. But if you go above a certain dollar amount in your income, then all that stuff is stripped away. So what happens is um, after you go above that dollar amount, you become instantly poorer than you were before because now you have to pay all these other things um, that you didn't have to do before. You know, you, you're missing all these benefits. And that's that's some of the things that I think a lot of people in America don't really seem to understand is that they say like all these people, like they'll, they'll have the term like welfare welfare queens, but our system literally incentivizes people to not um, to not make their income higher because once they do so, um, they could potentially become significantly more poor than when where they were um, when they were on those programs. Yeah, I mean, even even again talking income tax, and we we've talked about it before and how much I'm frustrated by it. Like we just did ours this weekend, right? Finally did my taxes, and. Every single time, the last several years when we do them, finally it's like, you know, a few years ago, we were making as much. We would have not had to, we would have not have lost so much to our taxes. We're both claiming zero now in order to like make sure we're paying as much as we can. And we still technically would owe. If we hadn't put solar panels on this house, we would have most definitely had to owe. Like, that so is, it, it, well, do you have a CPA? No, we just do ourselves. You should consider getting a CPA. Do you own your house? <laughs> yeah. We you, just bought this year. It's the first time we did it. So, I would highly suggest you get a CPA. Okay. Um, in the future, so like a I'll, personal. And then, how do you do? Do you do it on retainer, or how do you do it? Yeah, just every year. I, I just actually changed my guy because my guy now only does firefighters mm-hmm. and people that are way wealthier than I am. Um, hmm. So basically, just every year, I have a tax guy um, that I go to, and I just have him. I send him all the stuff that he needs, and then he fandangles the numbers. And I get a return back. So this is my short story about how I was getting screwed by taxes. All right. So I'm pretty sure I'm getting screwed. By yeah, I can I can guarantee if you're claiming zero and you own a home, I know you're getting screwed. Unless you have like some, unless you're doing something crazy with your income, which I doubt. <laughs> you know, um, I invest for Addison's um, like college fund. No. And did that's it? Did you pull out a bunch of stocks? <laughs> I mean, no. that's all. I- no. Um, so, all right, I bought a home back in the early 2000s, and um, I owned the home for two years, and I was going through H&R Block to do my taxes, and I was owing taxes two years in a row, and I was just like, how am I owing taxes when I own a home? Like, these are, this is tax deductible, like, how am I possibly owing taxes? And I was claiming, like, one, maybe two. So, after the second time, I was like, hey, um, the, the lady that was doing my taxes 
um, was like on the phone with somebody, like speaking Spanish. I'm not. I'm saying. I'm. I'm only saying this because this is literally what happened. Because she was the only person there that could speak Spanish, so she was helping somebody on the phone that could only speak Spanish. Yeah. So she was barely paying attention to what like my taxes were. So I was like, she told me like how much I owed. And it was like three grand, and I was like, there's no way that I owe three grand again after owning a home. So I was like, you know what? Um, you can keep that. I'm gonna go find somebody. Um, I, I talked to my brother. He was like, hey man, I got a good CPA. Like. <laughs> Why don't you talk to him? So I ended up getting back like two or three grand. So that's the difference it can make. Um, and I've had yeah. him for years. I haven't owed taxes in forever. Um, I've always gotten a lot of tax dollars back. When I went to Iraq for a year, I got back like $44,000 in taxes. So. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, we, we talked about it. Like I said, this year might be the year we really need to go somewhere. It'll probably be next year because this, this year was like a partial year where it was weird Actually, that probably would have been the most important year where she worked partly in Okinawa, partly here, so two different jobs, job gap, and all this other weird stuff. So. I'll, I'll send you my tax guy info, my, my new one. Um, he's in San Diego, so. Okay. I, I, I don't I mean, know. Like, it's not like we need to sit down face to face with each other. It's just, no, no, not at all. Here's my stuff. Yeah, you just, it's all online. Yeah, it's it's super easy. I mean, I just. It, it's super easy. So I, I haven't yeah. seen my tax guy, and I think I met him once. I haven't The new guy, I haven't met at all. So <laughs> I just talked to him on the phone. Once. If, we, if we didn't have income taxes, we wouldn't have to deal with it. Yes, exactly. But that's a whole different. All right. Anyway, back on track. <laughs> right. So um, another uh, program that people think is socialist, especially right now, because it keeps coming up, um, is Medicare and Medicaid. Because we always talk about, especially recently with, um, you know, with COVID is universal, you know, health care. And so it's been a big deal. But um Obviously, some folks seem to be very hard on saying that, hey, these we don't want to be a socialist country, you know, government health care is bad, blah, 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 blah. I get that. But we also already have uh, Medicare and Medicaid. And it's been a very popular program, which I'm sure nobody wants to go away. But when it first came around, everybody said it was a socialist thing and it's bad, but it's wildly successful here. Um, the Medicare uh, the Medicare and Medicaid Act, um, it was um, the... Social Security Act Amendment of 1965. So it's been around for a minute. All right. Uh, Medicare is a federal program that provides health care coverage if you are 65 um, years, 65 plus years, um, or have a disability. No matter if you have a disability, no matter your income, Medicare um, will cover you. Uh, Medicaid is a state and federal program that provides health coverage if you have very low income. So. These are things that we have in place that's a social program that helps people out that I don't think anybody today would want to consider removing those um, benefits from people. Uh, I know everybody, uh, even though I know that Medicare and Medicaid, they have issues. Like to me, I'm like, why do they have part A, part B, part whatever? Like seems stupid to me. I think it'd be better if it was like more universal and they had just a straight shot instead of having all these other supplemental things. But it's still a social program that works on a basic level. Yeah. I mean, and so here again is where I, I, I constantly like I refer back to it and we talk about it in almost every episode and I'm sorry, it's probably getting annoying, but um, so health and like healthcare generally in my mind and I'm slowly but surely kind of being convinced otherwise. So they sit on the second level of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which tells me it's like, it's not my requirement to take care of your health, but it's my requirement to care about your health and make sure that we as a society have like 
some kind of system that works for it. So like I'd be okay with generally level two. I'm okay with more with like regulation and like having it be a required thing and a certain level of like agreement to what the care level should be. And that's where I think saying we're taking care of those who are like are, are disabled and those who are elderly and like maybe those who, you know, need, need care. We agree as a society, like these are the ones that are outliers and need a little more assistance. We take care of them, but then like the rest of the system should be available and have a certain level of care and then like make sure that there's availability for it and some kind of access to it. Everyone should have that. Uh, but then how that works, I don't know. But it should be mostly like, again, I kind of go more towards regulated rather than c- government controlled and owned and, and like, because you dealt with Navy doctors and <laughs> VA and like, yeah. it doesn't work when it's that big of a system. And so as soon as it gets that big, we're able to do it in the Medicare, Medicaid kind of thing because there aren't Medicaid doctors, right? There aren't Medicare doctors. There's just a program that allows them to get paid. Yeah, and that, that's what, I mean, for me, when I talk about um, like universal healthcare, I think that we should utilize this infrastructure that we already have and just regulate it a little bit more so we actually have um, where the government can actually say, hey, there's there's caps on certain things on how much yeah. you can charge. and um, For insulin. Yeah, that's a major one. You know, that's what I was going to bring up too. An easy one. It's yeah. an easy target today. <laughs> and, and there's other things. Because basically right now we have no, um, we have no leverage over um, our health care at all. Um, I was doing some research on like other countries, how they deal with healthcare. Mm-hmm. And I found it very odd. Um, just think about it when you go to the doctor. Say you go to the, say you're going to have a baby. Have you, has anybody listening to this podcast ever gone to like where you're planning on having your baby and ask them how much it's going to cost? No. Why? why? Can you, any other time doesn't... in your life, do you go anywhere and you get something? That you're just saying that, hey, I'm going to pay for however much it costs. And yeah. you just like doesn't make any, any any sense at all. Like that from a basic level, we're getting swindled. But, then, but, then, <laughs> but then, so then what becomes the options, right? So the same as like if we were going to go purchase a car, I'm like, let me look at the, oh, I want I want this particular option and then not this one. And so then like before you do these procedures, you're going to get the checklist and like decide what kind of care you get. Yes. Uh, and how much it's going to cost. Yeah. You be an actual informed consumer because we talk about – you know, here in America, you know, we, we, we tout capitalism yeah. a lot, but capitalism has no place at all. Like it's there's no form of capitalism at all in healthcare. Um, it's it's literally broken. Like you can't say it's capitalism gone right when you can't tell me what the fuck it's good, how much anything's going to cost. Yeah, because I, I, I mean, <laughs> I can see, you know, and I'm, my own analogy in my head is kind of falling apart too. like. So, OK, so say I'm like, well, I don't I don't need this particular part of that procedure and I'm good. And then like, if you said, I don't really need those, those airbags. I don't really want those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it cost me $3,000, $4,000. Like, no, you, you have to have those because yeah. there's this law that says you have to, and it costs this much. You will get those. But then if you're like, well, I don't necessarily need those, those extra, like on top, like badass high beam, like fog, like cool, like go off road things. It was like, okay, well those are a thing you don't necessarily have to have but let me explain to you because i'm a salesman let me explain to you the benefits of that thing and why you're going to want to have it and yeah. they're going to sell you but you can still choose as a consumer to yeah. not do it to do it so it's like i'm my own argument I'm like, well, <laughs> having the itemized list just to be, even if at the end you're like yeah i'm good all of it you made it all make sense I'm, i totally agree you at least understand what you're paying for exactly and you could argue too be like that costs that much really 
Yeah, and then it, it would offer you the opportunity to at least shop around. Like, say, you know, if you want to get a knee replacement, and you know, some hospital is going to charge you like, you know, I don't know, we'll say sixty thousand dollars for a knee replacement. Just a number, yeah. just a random number. But then you, you know, shop around somewhere else, and it's maybe it's forty five thousand dollars for the same amount of care. You know, like you, you can also look up like, you know, how many successful surgeries has this place had? You know, like a like a Yelp or whatever for for hospitals. <laughs> It's got four and a half stars now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, seriously, it, it would literally drive these 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 costs. Um, but you know, we don't do that because um, this is going to get back to like workers' rights and communism and socialism thing at the end. But um, we don't. It, they are incentivized to not show us the cost of that because they're they're reaping record profits through the vagueness of the cost of healthcare and the fact that. Um, for the most part, they're playing like this 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 game. Right now, you don't see the game because actually, you might have with Tricare, but it's it's less so with Tricare and corporate uh, health insurance. They like to there's a deductible, right? That you have to pay every year if you're getting healthcare, and so you you, you get up to that deductible, but then you get into this, this really messed up game that they like to play with you is where oh well you're over your deductible, but uh, we're gonna send you a bill anywhere, and then you're like well I should pay for that like send it to my my insurance and the insurance is like, ah, oh, we don't know. There was a mistake. And it's like, no, fix it. And there's like a back and forth game you have to play sometimes with the insurance company and the hospital or your healthcare provider. And it's just like, why is this even a thing? Like, why am I playing? Like, <laughs> that's tough. Yeah, you're right. I, I, yeah, we don't deal with it as much because generally, if you need it, you get it. Yeah. Um, but you have to convince them you need it. That's the, that's the, my side of it, right? So, the people you have to convince are the doctors at this point because they don't want to do anything they don't have to do. Um, so you can't walk in and be like, oh, my knee is totally messed up. I need you to fix it. And be like, eh, here's some ibuprofen. Change your socks. Drink some water. Yeah. Um, you, you remember. Yep, I do. <laughs> so, Not anymore, though, because <laughs> I, mean, I remember, yeah, but I'll deal with it. It's tough, man. And, yeah. And that's what I don't want to get to, and that's where I'm fine with, um, I think, the middle ground we're kind of talking about um, where – there's got to be a compromise available. And I kind of like the idea of requiring that there's, um, you know, the ability to understand what it is you're paying for. And I like the shop around idea. Honestly, the rating system sounds really cool too. Like it, why don't, cause, cause if I got that itemized checklist and you know, like, okay, that's not so bad. That's so bad. And it's like, Oh, malpractice insurance. Yeah. <laughs> why is your malpractice insurance so high? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the only way you would know <laughs> this, this, this doctor's no good. I'm not going here. I'm going to go somewhere else. Yeah. But instead of you just like looking, you're like, okay, price, 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 two star rating. Yeah, I'm just going to go smart. Yeah. <laughs> just be informed just like anything else, you know? Just like yeah. anything else. Interesting. Um, that'd, be, that'd be cool. And again, it doesn't feel, again, to me, right? Understanding, like, even, even what people like talk about as socialist programs, even though, again, I know you're getting to it. Like, that's, that's not what's defined as, but anyways. Um, it doesn't fall into those because it's not like I'm not paying for what your care is. I just want to make sure that you're an informed customer. Yeah, and it's a fixing system. That's something too. But right. Um, well, here's another thing. Knowing that, what you're paying for. Yeah. Here's another like thing that I, I want to drop on you. Maybe it'll change your mind. Maybe it won't. But I think that a lot of Americans. It took this took me a while to like figure out in my own mind is that when we talk about these programs, we always talk. We always not not we always. Some people. I'll just say me. When I used to think about these programs, like somebody on welfare, I would or any other social program, I'd be like, well, "Why am I paying for that?" Yeah. Well, but you're also paying for a bunch of other stuff that they're not using. 
So, and I think that a lot of people, they, they are, they have been kind of indoctrinated into thinking that when it comes to social programs, that you're not entitled to them. So when we talk about all these new ones that people are talking about, and then people are just like, well, where's the money going to come from? I don't want this to go to the X person. I want this to go to whatever person, but they're also going to you and the people that are going to, it's going to help you and your community. And I think that might need to be like a little bit of a, of a thought process shift for like a lot of people is to just understand that we're giving the government a pool of money and I'll get to the actual numbers of this pool of money because it's fucking huge. And in this pool of money, people are telling me that we can't afford certain things. And in this, in this same gigantic pool of money that we can't put aside a little bit of money to help those that are in need. And they also don't seem to understand that these people that are in need, most of them, most people that are poor are only poor temporarily. Like they're not poor for like their entire, the vast majority of them are not poor for their entire lives. Um, and, but you need that, um, that sort of, that net to be there. And the net that's there currently sucks. It sucks. And we all know this, but we just ignore it. Just go to any major city right now and see how many tent cities there are, like from homeless people. And people just drive by and they don't even care. Meanwhile, the media and parts of the government will tell you, oh, well, you know, unemployment numbers look great right now. How do they look great when I can literally, you know, drive a mile down my road and see a tent city full of homeless people, you know, like those people, they don't count as unemployed. You want to know why? Because they're not pulling down unemployment benefits. So they don't count as unemployed. Or they didn't qualify for it. Yeah. So, I mean, and you make a good point about um, the programs helping. And you said like, I don't know, talking about EBT and like the access to regular food stuff versus going to a food bank. That's what I did. Like, I definitely ate plenty of government cheese and went to food lockers to get bread and milk and peanut butter and things when I was not just a young, like young kid of someone who was, you know, struggling to make ends meet, but as a Lance Corporal in San Diego, like we, we got wick. Yeah. I was going to say, we, you want wick. <laughs> we went to food banks and things. Cause like I could not afford to have, to be married and have a new baby who had, birth issue like booth birth effect issues needed special formula that cost like $40 per little freaking stupid container, which wouldn't qualify. So I couldn't use any of the like programs to get that formula because it was some special formula. That's not just basic stuff. So because I had to pay for that, there's like, well now I got to find money and other to give up on other places. And yeah, so those programs helped and to, but and then like you said, look at me now. Like you don't stop if you if you can make it through those spots. A lot of times you can make it on to something better. But I think in the minds of many people that like you said that thought this and maybe think this to this day of the like why am I paying for that is just that if the program doesn't incentivize or like encourage or support people in a way that they can move through it and move on to something else, especially in that scenario you mentioned, like as soon as you hit a certain dollar amount, you lose all these benefits, which drops you back to like here, like, am I still going to struggle here? Then why did I do that? Yep. As long as it's like a, well, here's the threshold. And then as you hate notification awareness and like a trickle off effect or something to that effect, like, Hey, make it so you can ease your way back into it, having enough and understanding what your budget's like. But I don't think that the job, the job like help, programs a lot of times in those things are good enough like hey if you're on this thing you should be getting assistance to like make sure you're prepared and able to get a job that you're qualified for or get trained to be more qualified yeah well that's one of the reasons why everything you just explained is like one of the reasons why i like the ubi thing because it's just it's easier 
like <laughs> some money some money go figure it out yeah and it's well uh, we'll do a follow-up on ubi because there's been studies that came out because a bunch of cities have done it recently and they have actual data back on like what people did with the actual money and it's pretty okay. and it's pretty positive so um you said we gotta do a follow-up ubi episode yeah yeah we will because there is i think it's richmond california oakland's gonna do it pretty soon there's like, two other cities that have completed their trial run of uh, of ubi and people I knew what was going to happen. I had high hopes, and what I thought was going to happen literally happened. So, I think people would be surprised if you're anti UBI, which I understand. UBI sounds stupid from the like just thinking about it, but it actually helped a lot of people. Um, but not this podcast. <laughs> so another day, another, yeah, another day, because I haven't had a chance to like look through all of the data yet. Anyway, uh, we also have the uh, Earned Income Tax Credit. Um, this is a Tax Reduction Act of 1975. Um, the Earned Income Tax Credit um, subsidizes low-income working families. The credit uh, equals a fixed percentage of earnings from the first dollar of earning until the credit reaches maximum. The maximum credit is paid until earnings reach a specified level, after which it declines each additional dollar amount of income until no credit is available. Basically, it's giving you tax incentives. It, it, it lessens your burden on taxes if you're low-income. Which is good because if you actually look at who pays the most amount of taxes um, per capita, like the poor pay like vastly more taxes than most people do, as far as like their actual dollars go. So, for instance, like a person that's making twenty five thousand dollars, percentage wise, is paying less than what I am right now. The reason why that is, is because not only are they paying paying income tax, but it's all the other stuff they have to pay for. That gets taxed as well, which for them, the tax is going to hit them way harder, like just basic goods and services, um, even at the fixed amount of, you know, between like five and, you know, 13 percent of local taxes. That's going to hit them way harder than it's going to hit me as far as like the actual percentages go. Yeah, because the, the amount of your personal income you spend on those kinds of expendables that you have to normally pay taxes like that on um, significantly decreases as you move up in income because... Yep. You're no longer spending as much on like consumables on a regular basis. You're only buying food, which generally isn't one of those VAT tax types of things, um, or rarely something new that you have to like buy in order to have enjoyment because you've already got all the toys that you need. Yeah, well, well, even when it comes to food, you know, if I'm buying food, and we'll say I think where I live, I think it's maybe ten percent tax. It's right around 10%. There better not be taxes on food. No, I mean, I mean, like if I go to a grocery store and I buy, you know, there's income taxes on everything, right? Oh, not income, I'm sorry. Um, local taxes. So if I go like to like a Safeway or, you know, a Vons or whatever, and I buy a bunch of food, that stuff is taxed. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm like, how do you not know this? Fuck, you're still in the Marine Corps. You don't have fucking taxes if you buy it on base. <laughs> if I go to the commissary, no, and yeah. I probably just don't pay attention when I go to anywhere else. Yeah, like bust out your receipt. Anytime you buy anything anywhere, bust out your receipt and see like what the actual local tax rate is. And to yeah, me, you, know, you know where I sit on that. Like ta- food, food should not be taxed. It's yeah. on the freaking bottom level of Maslow's hierarchy. I totally agree. Totally agree. But right now, the way the system is, is that, you know, there's a, for me, a 10% tax on basically everything that I buy locally. And that 10% tax on food and like whatever else to me is not going to hit me that hard because I have a higher income. 
But if if somebody's poor, it's gonna it's gonna take out a substantial chunk out of their income. Um, you know, and it's when your margins are that small, ten percent is a lot. Yeah, yeah, and people don't seem to understand that. Um, so they they need assistance to to, to come out of that. Um, only a couple more to go. Oh, actually, we have plenty of time, so we're good. Uh, we'll go to the uh, supplemental nutritional assistance programs SNAP, and that's actually what um, where we get uh, EBT and all that stuff. So basically, okay. what was the other one then? Uh, oh, that was just like the other one was the temporary assistance. Uh, I'm sorry, the temporary assistance of needy families. So and that was a monthly cash fund assistant. But this, okay, so it's, it's just like a, okay, it's an allowance sort yeah. of thing. Okay. But this one is actually, I think it's the actual EBT one. This is the one where it's the, it was a farm bill. The 20, 2008 farm bill is what did it. And SNAP replaced, replaced food stamps, basically. And it's a federal program that, that provides uh, fruit purchasing assistance for low-income or no-income people. So that's basically. Because yeah, the, the in-between of the food stamps, that was even a step up from what I was doing growing up, which was like you, you went and you got you the go food somewhere. that you got in the box and yep. took it to the house. That was, that was it. And that that helped though i mean it made a big difference but the idea to move to food stamps and say you can go to stores that accept these and purchase specific items that meet certain requirements that was good and then now it's you know it's the same program it's just with modern you know touches where you're using a card instead of a coupon yeah so i mean it works better but it's also another one that is has some it's another one that has like the means testing thing and that also can be hit with fraud because but people that sell, you know, they buy things um, through EBT that shouldn't be authorized or they'll sell things. Yeah. You know, it's just it, it, we're talking about when people talk about people that are defrauding the system. It's the vast majority of people are not defrauding the system, but they like to they love to point out the, the few people that do as if pieces of shit don't exist in any demographic. You know, I mean, come on. Like the one of the one of the number one things in America, uh, one of the number one crimes in America, which I'm going to talk about later is wage theft. And wage theft is way more prevalent than anybody that has stolen anything off of a federal assistance program. So you mean you mean taxes? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well no, I'm talking about well it's, it is taxes, but it's an, it's a I'm talking about actual corporate wage theft. Even though yeah. yes, you're right. Technically taxes are a form of wage theft. That's I mean so again, yeah, that's definitely um, definitely a, a very forefront uh, libertarian like bumper sticker type thing is taxation and theft. Yeah. It's it's right there on the they, they were they have the bumper stickers and <laughs> pretty much agree, you know, where uh the way we're doing it it is I think there's a way to still um fund the government without it being taxation by theft, but um it's different. Uh so so here here I have no issues, right? So again, Maslow's hierarchy of needs driving most of my like thoughts on these because it helps give us a framework. And if someone wants to tell me, you know, to, to use a different framework, fine. But I need to understand why that would outweigh this and make, make, make it make less sense. But food is, like, we can't live without it. So you're telling me that we should just let these people die by saying we're not going to provide them with food. That's, that's the argument. Yeah. And I, I can't agree with that. Like, I'm like, no. I think that we should, um, unless you, so there, this is going different angle, but, like, Unless there's a reason for it, I think we should be take, helping each other stay alive. Like that's kind of a part of our agreement with each other. Um, I have some other parts where no, I no longer agree with that, and I don't have to keep you alive. And actually, I don't want you alive anymore. But um, 
it's when you violate these things, right? That you no longer have the right to my protection and your protection and our help. That's when, that's when you lose access to all these things and I don't care anymore. But I think that's not who we're talking about. I'm talking about people who just hit the bricks, have a, have a, are having a tough time, need some help getting through it. And where there's so many people at this point that maybe they don't have a community like of people who they could reach over to their, their friend or their brother or their whoever and ask, like, hey, can you help me get through this? Yeah. Uh, Actually, I'm glad you said that, that they don't have a community, but they do. And this is what, one of the things that people, they don't, they like to have a the whole us versus them thing, right? Or, you know, they don't think, yeah, or they don't think that, you know, people that are less for, just because you don't know somebody personally or, or a friend with them or whatever, doesn't mean that they're not a part of your community. Your taxes should be going towards helping those in your community. That's what should be yeah. happening. But it's, but that's, um, but it's indirect, right? So I, I yes. more meant like the direct, can you help me, um, that you get from, a close friend or, you know, a family member, um, a, a small knit community, because even Marx's concepts would work perfectly well for a group of 150, 250 people. Yeah. Like if you were one small community together on an Island, there is no reason that wouldn't work. 100% would be fine. Cause you knew everybody and everybody would take care of each other and you would care because your survival all rely on each other. When there's 330 million people in our community, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know hardly any of those people, the percentage of that, that I know and like could be asked personally and then be like, yeah, sure. And help them is very small. Like it's much smaller than, than things. So then you're talking about a community at large, which yes, but it's not the same thing. Like I, we're not all going to agree to every single applicant for this program and say, yes, I'm willing to give you specifically uh, James some money. Like it, yeah, that's not happening. Yeah, I'm no, happen you're right. Not almost, but we're paying. Like, what I'm saying is that we're paying taxes um, to have people that will take care of that. To have people that can distribute the money. Like, we, yeah. like when I pay taxes, I would hope that the money that I'm paying taxes for are things that I generally agree with, and that would help those you know less fortunate than me, and and would also make sure that the roads that I'm driving are safe, and you know, make sure that all you these, know. you know, some things that are that should be regulated stay regulated. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and stuff like that. Obviously, there's a debate about regulation, deregulation. Uh, watch our last, I think it was our last podcast. So, yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, but I think that, um, you know, thro- throwing this, having this pool of money and having it misappropriated um, for the most part through some of these um, programs, through like means testing and just like short sightedness. Like we talk about, you know, the homeless issue that we have in like the vast majority of, of the United States and all these all these major cities that have major homeless crises, they have millions of dollars, if not billions of dollars in uh, in tax rep in tax dollars that go towards that problem. But it's like if you took all those millions of dollars, you couldn't just fucking build homes like lit- they're called homeless. The, ne- the problem is in the name of what they're called. Yeah. Like, how is this? Not, how is this an issue? And yes, I understand that they, you know some of them have mental health issues and all those other things, but their basic needs is is a house and a, and food. Like, food and shelter should be everybody's basic necessity. I don't. That, that shouldn't be. It shouldn't cost that much money. You shouldn't need to have um, 
a bunch of commissions and all those other things to like figure that one out. Like it seems very easy to me. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a whole nonprofit organization for that, right? <laughs> yeah. Habitat for Humanity exists because they are screwing this up constantly. Um, I think that uh, what you mentioned is the bigger part of it, that all that money is, is going into the system and then enough hands are in it that very little gets to the goal, right? Yeah. Um, it, between, um, you know, using the funds that should be going towards a specific goal because it was all written into the same bill, it goes to other stuff too, in order to get it approved uh, so that it gets much smaller percentage of the total amount at the end. Oh, I'll get into that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, yeah, good. Yeah. We, can, we can skip it for now and come back to it. I just, so much of this is frustrating um, because I think, like, I think like you said, like build some houses. There are so many simple, simple solutions. I'm gonna tell you a story. So when I was in high school, I took two trips to Mexico it's the first place I ever went outside of this country uh, with my church group. And we went down there and we built houses for people who were members of the Lutheran church in the community. Um, it's like three towns south of Tijuana, right? Mm-hmm. It's not Rosarito. It's not Ensenada. It's like the next town. Okay. Um, and there's a little church there. There's a Lutheran church. And we would go down there and spend about two weeks. And we would build a house for a member of the church who just was having a tough time. And what was crazy is both cases too, is like they had some shelter, but it was like usually pallets and like some, some tin roof corrugated steel stuff that just wants to keep them out of the elements. But I mean, we're talking, we're also talking about Baja California. So it's like, yeah, it's not that bad. <laughs> Weather's okay. It's a little hot sometimes. Um, but we would build, we would build full structure. Um, no, like no infrastructure. stuff. There's no power. There's no plumbing. Um, but what we would do is both times we would build like a, uh, fill up your own bucket type thing for you to have a shower and you could put the thing up there to get it heated. So you can actually take a warm shower if you just use the sun and turned on, like turned this thing that would allow the water to flow. So we built the thing, but we didn't have infrastructure to work off of, but, um, it, it didn't take much. Like it was some wood and a couple of dudes with hammers and some nails like and yeah. we actually got in trouble because we somebody forgot to check their hammer and you definitely don't want to take hammers on airplanes <laughs> well not but anymore you, right before you had to be okay. this even 96 or 97 so i mean even then they were still like uh no you can't take a hammer on the airplane <laughs> like uh hold on he had to run back and like check it and <laughs> yeah it's uh it's crazy it seems like a simple solution and then so many of the problems we're talking about are like there are simple solutions but no one wants to do them yeah, I'm trying to look up. There's a story that I was thinking of. There was actually, yeah, it was in LA. Um, there's a bunch of cities where this happened. Okay, I, LA was one of them. Um, I wasn't prepared to talk about this, so sorry, I didn't do the research. Um, but I remember reading a story. Yeah, on a tangent. Yeah. So uh, there was somebody that was just like, yeah, homeless homelessness is a problem. So let's just build some tiny homes. So they literally did a GoFundMe and built a bunch of tiny homes, gave them to the homeless, and the city came through. And uh, confiscated all the tiny homes and destroyed them. And they said that we have our um, our city-run homeless services, and we're going to work through the issues that way. And these are not authorized buildings. We don't know if they're up to, we don't know if they're up to code. We're just going to confiscate them and destroy them. I'm just like, you are literally part of the problem. Yeah. You, you're part. Of, you, you're you're extending homelessness because of bureaucracy, and it's ridiculous. I, I mean, and again, I, I get the idea behind them saying that they're not going to 
you know, meet regulations in order to meet their safety. But you're not meeting their safety requirements to begin with. There are other concerns that come first. And then, again, I feel like I broke a record. <laughs> like, shelter's on the bottom. Safety is the second one up. Like, you have to be protected from the elements and have a place that you can call your own before you can worry about, like, how safe is this place? That once they have a place, they can then go, maybe I should get into a better place once I've sorted this shit out. Like, yeah. that's, that's where their brain will go. You need to give them that, that first place. These people that we did that for were living in shelter, but it was just, you know, it was, it was enough. And they were working and they, were, they would have gotten out on their own, but they had a community, the church, and that was who helped them do that. And that's why it's, I think in those situations, it's different when you have those connections where a lot of them don't have those kinds of personal relationship connections and they need a community of a system, like a system community that can support them. And that's why those kinds of programs would be great. And I wonder how you could make those still technically meet code requirements, but still be cheap and small. I don't know. It'd well, be hard. Well, this is the problem with like when it comes to like codes. So this is what I figured out when I built this, this or, building. Or, sorry, or create a specific code. Right, a specific kind of regulation and code for that kind of housing. Yeah, like a, th- yeah, th- there should be like an exception. Um, yeah. it's, it's, oh, give me one second. It's still- Sorry, I was just trying to slide away to get my grab another beer as you were talking, but I want to hear what you had to say. <laughs> I've been I've been waiting to like segue at a moment to be like, oh, can, I, can we take a quick break because I wanted to get another drink too. We got to do like um, a uh, a cobra a cobra or something. And well, so I think that that fridge will fit right here, nice underneath this underneath this table. <laughs> so it will be it will literally be like. <laughs> Mine will not, well, I have to raise my table up. If I raise, if I raise my table up to like a normal height, then uh, I think mine would fit. These these sit a little high. It's, um, I'm on a bar stool at its lowest setting, and it'll go up. So that if I wanted to do like a standing desk thing, I could do that too. But oh, nice. I haven't left, lifted any of this stuff up any higher. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was a little weird. All right. <laughs> Just drop, drop. It's all good. Back to it. You were saying. So if, yeah, you just have to say that there's a certain accepted risk or like these specific regulations, like do they even need electricity? Like at that point, probably not. And if you have no electricity, then the codes for like, you you don't have to have outlets every 18 inches or whatever. Like there is no requirement for that because there is none. It's not even here right now. Yeah, but it would be deciding what the things are that are requirements and going in and putting something together that makes it so you could build some very cheap um, housing to meet the needs for these this community, right? This community that needs support um, so that they can transition from that to the next step in their life, which might be being identified as someone who needs support by going to get some mental health care. Yes, which is which got defunded back in like the 80s. Um, But that's a whole different podcast. 
Um, <laughs> which is why so many people with mental health issues in jail. Um, as you were talking about, um, you know, like building codes and stuff like that, like the building that I'm in, technically, I mean, it's not coded, but it's also, I'm, I'm like barely out of regulation. But this is the problem with like regulations when it comes to like building codes for like small buildings. It's um, a lot of it comes out like to like materials and stuff like that, but they don't sell materials that, you know, would be of concern. Like you, you literally can't buy um, insulation that's dangerously flammable anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't buy asbestos, you know, you can't buy leaded paint. You can't buy, you know, non-insulated w- wires for your home. Like there's all these things, all these things you can't do. So it's like, it's already regulated on one end where I literally have no access to something that is, you know, that would make my building less da- or more dangerous, but, uh, but they're still there. So crazy building codes. Well, and, and like, I, so today, today, as, as was probably actually, I don't know if it's going to be included, but today we had appliances installed. I don't know if we really included that in the talk. So, uh, the guy, when he was taking the fridge out, um, to connect the new lines for the water to the new fridge was like, Hey, I just recommend you'd like want to replace these copper pipe things that are here. No one uses this anymore because <laughs> it's dangerous and it's crappy. <laughs> like the, no house built in the last 10 years would have this in it. I was like, Oh, good to know. What's <laughs> to go to your fridge? Like, what do I, what should I use? It's like, Oh, this, I was like, Oh, like this thing that I just installed. Okay. Got it. Cause I wouldn't have been able to go find that, place. but it, but then that means that a house that was built in that year only has to meet codes for that time until you make a change. And then those new changes would have to meet the new code. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. And then, I, I, you know, well, what's crazy is that I, I watched like an old, not an old video, a video like a little while back about actual building codes and like how the building codes that we have now are actually pretty terrible. So I guess it's on the other spectrum <laughs> of like, especially like depending on where you live, like the terrible building codes, like they're actually not that safe to begin with. So like if you go to like Florida... <laughs> And like where houses are made out of like materials that will not survive hurricanes yeah. or you know yeah. whatever, it's like well yeah, building codes. Why aren't these built up to code? Yeah. No, they're not. <laughs> they're built. They were built up to the code. Requirements for that area. Yeah, but but it was it depends on where they were built. So it's like if you have a building code, but it, it's only it's only really um, relevant to the time that it was built. What are the point of having those building codes? It's, so it's twofold. It's twofold. It's it's they're not gonna fix the codes for those regions specifically for for two reasons. Uh, California, it, it they did right, so they realized there's a problem with earthquakes. I think I think they have earthquakes in California. Yeah, a little bit every now and again. So there's like requirements like you have to build to support a specific targeted thing. So we spent the last the last seven years prior to moving here in Japan in Okinawa. Who gets hit by a typhoon at least once a year? Usually two or three times. And and typhoon, same thing as hurricane. For those who don't know, it's just different hemisphere. Um, And like, so story time was in 2004 when I was headed to Okinawa for the first time. Um, I got stuck in Yokota in mainland Japan. Oh darn! I had to spend a weekend in Tokyo um, (laughs) because there was a typhoon that was hitting Okinawa. And they're just like, hey, this happens. No big deal. We'll put you all up in hotels here and we'll ship you guys down on Monday. This this typhoon <laughs> was like one of the most horrific ones they had in a long time. It moved 
from the Pacific Ocean across to the South China Sea, like across Okinawa, and they like call all clear, and it like slows down, okay. stops, comes right back across the <laughs> island again. They're like, ah, I get hit up again, slows down, comes right back across again. It did it like three or four times. Like oh, it just okay. kept just kept beating up the island back and forth, and then finally finally rolled off for like. <laughs> so that happens. No houses. No no problems. Houses don't get torn down. Nothing nothing gets destroyed. Cars get moved around. Like bikes get flipped. People's windows get busted because bricks get tossed out because someone didn't put their trampoline away. It's gonna fly into someone else's yard, you know. But like the houses are all still standing. Yeah. That would not have happened in, in Florida. Because of insurance companies lobbying to make sure that the regulations don't change so that they can keep getting money off of people to charge them for insurance to then re- rebuild their house for I'm- cheaper and yeah, I mean, honestly, I think I, the way that I think Japan does it, I mean, they, they retrofit things. But in America, we don't really retrofit anything, hardly ever, unless it's like literally falling apart. Like, as you can visually watch it falling apart. Um, but I also think that in Japan, they use tax dollars to retrofit those, you know, certain buildings and other things. Or they sh- or they should actually make it a requirement to retrofit things, which we don't do. Part of it is that, part of it's that, because they definitely update stuff. Um, but they're, they don't in... As much, but I think part of the reason Okinawa it works, where it, the, they're the ones who get hit hard by typhoons in Japan. Mainland Japan will get hit by a typhoon from time to time, but it's nowhere near as bad. But Okinawa, I'm going to put it on on this: is that almost all structures that now still exist that aren't like um, intended to look like traditional old Okinawan buildings in order to have be a part of a park. Like this is what cultural history, you know, looks like. Um, are either actually are like 1950s military constructed concrete and rebar like structures that are not going anywhere uh, because they were protection and, and fortresses or they're made by Japanese companies that are American engineer like training based on army corps of engineers like engineering they're still just civilians building the same concrete and rebar buildings like for everybody because <laughs> That's what they were taught to build. That's how Okinawa's buildings kept surviving. And so they just build those smart, safe buildings because those things don't go anywhere. Yeah. No, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, they, they, you know, they put safety as a priority for their citizens, which makes sense, which we don't really do a lot of here. Um, yeah. If I built a house in Florida, I'd build a concrete rebar. Yeah. Yeah. And I also like how in Japan, like the way they build like their high rises, they're on like plates. So when there's a fucking earthquake, the plate moves and the building yeah. is okay. Just saying, we can mm-hmm. learn from that. <laughs> Did you, um, have you seen how Tokyo Tower, Tokyo Skytree, Tokyo Skytree was built? No. So, so it's the tallest tower in Tokyo. Sorry, we, we are still sidelining. So Tokyo Tower is the tallest tower there. Tokyo, I'm sorry, Tokyo Skytree is. Tokyo Tower used to be, it's more like a radio tower. Mm-hmm. Tokyo Skytree is just a really, really tall, thin spire with like a ball at the top of it. So it's got a spindle all the way through it with a huge weighted mass at the center so that if an earthquake goes, it like it counterweights as it moves. The weight is shifting the opposite direction because it's slower to move. So it's, it stays in place because it's countermeasuring itself. It's pretty, pretty sweet engineering because they're like, we get earthquakes. We got probably should probably think about that. Yeah, yeah. But here in America, not so much. I mean, we do it a little bit, but it's only usually with newer California, buildings. Than our California does better with the earthquake stuff than anybody else. But Yeah, yeah I, well... Yes, but also no. It's still a low bar. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're saying you're like, 
like this much better. Uh, well, we we <laughs> haven't really we haven't had a big one for a long time. That's that's the major thing. I mean, the last thing time. that we had was um, nineteen eighty nine. I think that was the big. That was the one I was in. Norvieta. Yeah, we, we, we've been overdue, but it's we also do. we've had a bunch of like little tiny earthquakes, which has been great because it uh, lessens the burden on the uh, tectonic plates. Mm-hmm. But um, there's been a bunch of huge ones over on the other side, and we're on the same tectonic plate, so. Just Science says that it should shift. shift yeah. yeah, at some point soon. But yeah, the last big one that we had, you know, in the, at least in the Bay Area, it was a uh, fucking disastrous. So you know, bridges went down, a um, bunch of destruction, not a whole lot of loss of life, but there was definitely a lot of infrastructure damage. Um, anyway, okay, moving on. <laughs> did, uh, did you stick to the same beer? Uh, I did switch to a pineapple one during our break. I switched to uh, Murky Triple IPA, and it's a triple IPA. There's also a hazy IPA, which is very um, rare. It's called Swamp Juice, and it's by Gilman Brewery. Hmm. I'm sorry, Gilman Brewing, which is in Berkeley. Hazy IPAs. I'm going to send you a box of beer soon. I've actually been setting aside beers for you, and I I keep forgetting to ship it out. I hate to do this. Before we move entirely away from talking about Japan, can I show you something? Sure. Because I know I know you don't necessarily have time to watch um, watch all of our stuff on Addison's channel as well. Uh, you probably didn't see that I got this in. So. Oh shit! A bonsai tree. That's dope. A Lego yeah. bonsai tree. Yeah, that is it's, pretty cool. Pretty amazing. We can't wait to have that set up on my desk. So, should have moved that up there during the break. <laughs> that is pretty dope. All right. Yeah, that's well, pretty amazing. Sorry. Going on to the next. I saw that out of the corner of my eye after we talked about Japan. I was like, he probably would get kicked out of that. Yes, I, I do definitely appreciate that. That's. Yeah, I need to get one of those. I need to do some Lego stuff again, with my with my four year old. My four year old can play Mario Kart now and Mario games, which is weird. But anyway, dude, they're totally totally ready for Lego then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You send me a beer, I'm going to be sending you a Lego. All right. <laughs> I'll send you the beer. Um, <laughs> moving on to the next one on my list of not all social programs, but the most popular ones that I've seen. Okay. Um, is social social security, right? Um, this is one of the mm-hmm. ones that anytime I hear these people talk about no social programs, I'm like, well, what about social security? Like, people complain about, you're taking away my social security, blah, blah, blah. All right, so listen. Well, let me talk about Social Security first before I go into that tangent. Um, Social Security, it was actually a bill. It was a Social Security bill of 1935. So it's been around for a very long time. Social Security helps uh, older Americans who become or workers who become disabled and families um, in which a spouse or a parent dies. And so it's a public pension plan. And so this comes back to the thing of like we're all putting money into a pool and we should be able to take from that pool because our money is in the pool, right? Um, there are actually two different trust funds. There is the old age and survivors insurance, which is called OASI. And that's a trust fund. Um, and that pays for retirement benefits. And there's also the disability insurance, which is DI. And that's also a trust fund. Um, workers pay 6.2% of their wages into Social Security uh, on up to $142,000, a little bit more than that, $142,800, um, which is kind of weird because the wealthy actually don't pay their fair share. Um, I wasn't aware of that until I was doing this research. 
So so everybody else pays six percent. What's it after that? Um, that's where it ca- it it caps there. Like you, they don't. So once you get to one hundred forty two thousand dollars, I forget what it goes. It goes down, but I forget the exact exact number. It goes fuck. I should have wrote that down. But basically, it caps it out so you don't have to pay anything more than that, or you pay less. Mm. So this is how some people that are well, actually everybody that's wealthy, which I guess I'm above that tax bracket now. I, I didn't know that I'm not paying the same amount as somebody else, which is really yeah. weird. Um, and employers are supposed to contribute um, another 6.2%, but there's also ways that employers yeah. don't do that, So, which is kind of messed up. Wait, so you're saying it's not matched? Uh, in certain situations, uh, employers are can not match it, or what they do is they lump it into um, taking out of their yeah. employer's wage. So they fucked them out of wages. You really are still paying twelve. Yeah. So it's pretty messed up. But anyway, Social Security is a widely. And I have popular. to imagine businesses are pretty aware of the ways that they can manage to work that system to work out that way. Oh yes, and it, it, I mean when we talk about things when it comes to like wage theft and like you know wage fuckery, it's usually uh, exploiting uh, low income workers. Um, it a lot of times, but it also impacts high income earners as well. Um, and I'll talk about that uh, a little bit later. Um, but yeah, Social Security, everybody loves it. Um, people talk about not wanting to take money away from it. It's a separate um, pool of money than the rest of our taxes, which is so is Medicare and Medicaid. They're taxed separately. If you look at your, if you pull out your paycheck, yeah. you'll see that there are different deductions for it. Um, yep. So nobody, So when they talk about, you know, people taking money out of Social Security, I'm like, well, how are they doing that? Because they... They're, it's literally a separate pool of money. So every time somebody says that they're coming from my Social Security or they, they're pulling money out of Social Security for, for X, X out of the program, they're probably full of shit. So yeah. I'm just leaving that out there. <laughs> so, I, I mean, you said everybody agrees with it. I, I don't. You don't agree with Social I mean, Security? What, no. Okay. Reasons. So what what is what is the purpose? You kind of outlined it, right? The purpose is to provide a retirement plan mm-hmm. for people uh, who should put their own fucking retirement plan together. Now, not everybody, but these are also people who are working. You're only taxing people who are working to then provide them with a retirement plan when I'm already paying a different percentage into my actual retirement plan that I won't need. Social, social Security is like not even going to be a drop in the bucket compared to the retirement that I'm already planning out for myself. Because, because I, I like looked into it and, and read about it and like studied and figured out what I needed to do to have a plan to make sure that I could retire and live a good life like I want to. So the issue isn't just like throwing money at people and, and not enough to, to, to make sure that they have a retirement. It would be making sure that they are educated as soon as they get their jobs or help before they get their first job, maybe do this in high school. Talk talk about, we do like microfinance transact, like educate, but people take some stupid ass classes in high school. <laughs> and we can't, we can't manage to get like civil, civil service like type stuff or like a real good civics class or what the hell you need to do to have a plan for retirement. Like yeah. we can't teach people this stuff in high school as a requirement. Teach, start teaching that stuff in middle school so that they think about it beforehand. They get that first job and they are planning their own retirement. They should already have a Roth IRA. Like that first job, first job, sure, just start putting stuff into it. But we don't teach people to do this. That's the real problem. The problem isn't that 
people need us to throw money at them. They need to plan for their retirement early, which is what this was supposed to be. It was supposed to be like, hey, uh, we had the depression, we had the Great Depression. We need to help those people who didn't have a plan for getting through some kind of hard times like this. And then we'll make sure that everybody is ready later on. And then Social Security will go away. And then it just stayed forever. And it's not even going to be able to last forever. Like, we're going to keep paying into it, and we're not even going to get out of it. So, okay. The last part what you just said. I don't understand. So, people that say that if you're – I'm paying into it, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to get nothing out of it. How does mm-hmm. – I don't understand the math there. So, so, how it works right now is that there are more – there's more money coming out of it than is being made by the trust fund and by people putting into it. So – it is, it is on a decline total pool at this point. And by the time you and I actually try to take Social Security, it, there won't be enough in it for us to actually draw the full amount that we're supposed to. So how is there less going in now than coming out? Because there are, in the same way that you mentioned, there's half of the people who are or half of the plan isn't paying into it for one, right? So they've allowed these companies to not pay their half of the percentage into it. So if you and I are paying 6.2%, well, but the, the company's but, not. But the person has to, though. They, they end up paying another 6.2%. So it ends up being like, you know, the 12%. The 12% is going to be there no matter what. It's just how mm-hmm. somebody pays it, whether it's through their company or by somebody else. All right. Sounded like you were saying it doesn't. But. It's also that more people are drawing from it that haven't paid the same amount into it. And then we're going to continue paying in so that it gets to be where there are more people drawing from Social Security than they're, than total paid into it. So people can take from Social Security without ever having paid into it. How, do they, how does that work? Right. If you are of a certain age or meet any of those criteria, whether you paid a certain amount in Social Security or not, you're going to like take the full benefits for Social Security, correct? Hmm. I'm thinking. Okay, this is my honest thoughts. If somebody never yeah. paid into Social Security, I don't know how they would pull out Social Security. Oh, they will. My, my mother worked very little <laughs> and paid paid very little in taxes or whatever, and is 100 full taken Social Security at this point. Okay, so. Do you think that's a that's a common occurrence? Like, if you give a percentage on like how many people you think that that happens to? No, but it's it's not common, uh, and I think people probably think it's more common than it really is. But um, in the in you know in this particular scenario, what do you think the odds would be that you'd be sitting across from someone who would tell you that their own mother is doing it, right? But yeah, it's, early too. Early <laughs> that's too. What I was asking because yeah, I don't know before the age of sixty something. Yeah. What is the age to take sixty five? Uh, 65 and then unless you can be disabled and something and right. get it. And then she's got the disability stuff that's pulling her into it early. So. Okay. Um, All right. So real quick. Sorry. Part of that was vaguely negative, but um, from, no. my, from my end. But I will tell you what I yeah. do I do agree with is that this, this comes down to like when I talk about some social programs and some other issues with, with the, the American government, um, a lot of it goes back to like, hey, if we were just better educated – then a lot of this shit wouldn't even exist. Like, we'd be okay. But the problem is, is that, you know, we're out there now. <laughs> so, could we get no, there? No, no, we're not. Yeah, no. and, and I don't, and, and like, getting to, like, the better education thing, like, we're, we're going to run up into, um, I think it's a problem that people don't really want to acknowledge when it comes to, like, educating, properly educating um, the rest of America is that not everybody has the same um, intelligence potential as others. 
So for somebody to say, you know, we, we need I don't to, agree with that. you don't agree with that? You think that everybody has the same exact intelligence potential as others? So, yeah. So there's a, you know, the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset are? Uh, no. Well, I'm, I, know I'm a, I know I'm a constant learner, but yeah. <laughs> so um, there's a couple of really good books. And actually what's really crazy is one of the best books, like for kids especially, um, to learn growth mindset. And it's really important if they do it early on. So you're talking about a four-year-old, like that would be perfect, right? Um, was written by a girl I went to high school with. Like she wrote this book and it's like a part of like the, the standard curriculum for growth mindset. Um, so the idea is that you can, um, oh, I was just listening to a book that talked a lot about it too, and I thought we talked about it. I'll come back to that. But um, so the growth mindset concept is just that it's not about some like predetermined capability level that you will attain and then can never surpass. It's, it's about how much you're willing to work to keep working towards achieving something. Now, it might mean that like you might work faster to achieve the same level as I would on a specific subject. But then if you're believing that like that was because you're just good at that and so you're able to get there and that's what you've got. But I know that I just need to keep working at it. I'll eventually surpass you if you're willing to accept that this is as good as you are because that's just as good as you are. Um, so it, it, I think, I mean, people have faculties, right? There, there are certain disabilities. But if, if you don't have one of those things that's holding you back because of some physiological issue. If you put the effort in and you really, really want to, you can do anything. Okay. So let me ask you this. Um, because we're obviously your active Marine. I'm not anymore, but we all know that there are people. Well, actually, fuck. I don't want to put it like that. Cause I don't want to see like people are dumb. But fuck it. Some people are fucking dumb. Whether yeah, it's through, um, their actual some physiological means or just the way they were raised there are people out there that are either not going to aspire to be as good as they could be or they are focused on the wrong things mm -hmm. and those are things that i think that are that are, in, that are going to be likely inescapable all throughout human history yeah. uh, in, in the future like there's people that just they're, they're not going to aspire to do certain things like there are people that i know that are just they're fine with just working like these menial jobs you know, I'm just like, why are you still working this menial job? Well, it's like it, they're comfortable doing that, you know, and yeah. it's like, okay, you're comfortable doing that. You don't want anything else? Like, no, I'm good. People but like that's, that. But that's about that mindset. That's their, yeah. they accept that there is no reason to work towards more. If, and that's where the, so those, those who are dumb and you talk about like, yeah, it's, and I, it's, dude, I'm, I'm teaching right now. Like, it's dumb. <laughs> but but they're dumb. They're dumb right now, and if if continuing to be dumb is not what they want, or if you can explain to them they have the potential to not be dumb if they just put in the right kind of work, um, they can they can achieve it. Like that's totally possible. You can you can choose to not be dumb if, especially in a specific subject, you say like I want to be really good at this and not be dumb at it. You absolutely can. You just have to do a couple other things and find a good mentor, like, like learn, like you have to be willing to put in the work. But like you said, if, if that's not, if your mindset is like, this is good enough, this is probably the best I'm going to be able to do. Never going to change. So that's, that's where the fixed versus growth mindset. And I, I will find that book and I'll make sure to let you know about it later. I probably won't be able to do it during the podcast. No, no, no. I'll put it in the comments or something. That's fine. Um, 
I think that in those scenarios where people could have the potential to, to be more, yes, I, I think that, that that could exist. But, I mean, in our current society, no. Um, for and, and I'll tell you, one of the biggest drivers for this, you know, the having people that don't have a, a growth mindset is that we need people to work these shitty jobs. And so we're incentive where the way that our current school system is set up, it's for it's, a, it's based on a Prussian system that is made mm-hmm. to like just spit out workers. And so we need people that mm-hmm. are, you know, less educated to work these menial jobs, to work these menial tasks. So until we fix that, at least in America, I think that it's a low chance of like people really changing that mindset. But yeah, I mean, if it comes to like a near utopia level, I agree with you. But there's like a lot, a lot of stuff that's got to change, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, we're about to replace all those things with robots. So we yeah. need to start figuring that stuff out now. Well, that's, that's, that's where the UBI <laughs> thing comes in for me. Because, I mean, eventually we're going to run out of, like, human jobs, right? And then what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> so, people will be smarter. Yeah. Well, that's the problem, though. You can only have so many, so many smart people. <laughs> you can't all work on the same task. No, nah, I mean, gosh, I was having this discussion with somebody. It got, got crazy. I can't remember where we went with it, but you know, it, new jobs will appear. Other things will be created. We will create um, things that manage those other systems. There's always going to need to be, you know, the ones who come up with the new concepts. Even the systems that like create the robots that then maintain the robots that create the robots. You know, like it, someone had to think the whole idea up to begin with to then tell the robot to make it. We're never going to let AI go so far as to just keep coming up with new ideas on its own. No, we'll, we'll let them keep themselves working and, and maintain the systems and work things past it. And we are way off topic, but like <laughs> I, someone will still need to come up with those ideas. And those are the people. And I think even those initial machines, someone's got to engineer and design and, and tell a robot how to make it. Um, yeah. It, there are still going to be plenty of jobs. It's just going to be a matter of teaching people how to get to that point. Yeah. And I just hope that, People can can get to that point. Like the the problem people that still I, have paint, people still gonna have to paint and like make videos. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is I mean this is one of the things when we talk about new jobs. This is literally like the medium that we're doing. Like what we're literally doing right. What we're literally doing right now is uh, is a new type of job mm-hmm. that we're not getting paid for. But you know, <laughs> it's, it's uh, this. Let's people buy some more shirts, maybe. Yeah, please buy more shirts, and then we'll we'll do a Patreon eventually, and. and you know, try to make yeah. this profitable. We'll find ways to make this work, man. Yeah. Just to make you more content and also to get paid. I'm just saying. Anyway. Um, it's two-way street. Yeah. And actually, you know what? I'll leave. Well, the last one is housing assistance. This is my, my last social program that I'll talk about. Okay. okay. And it's housing assistance. And then I'll get into like the whole other parts of this. Um, so housing assistance is a choice voucher uh, program, a.k.a. Section 8. The Section 8 program allows private landlords to rent apartments and homes at fair market rates to qualified low-income tenants um, with rental subsidy administered by Home Forward. So um, if you're a low-income person, you can get into a home that you normally would not be able to afford and is subsidized by the government. At, at fair market rate. Yeah, fair market. Yeah, it's quote-unquote. And this is another thing that is also, you know, it's, it's means tested. So when we talk about means testing, that goes back to like a couple things on here. Um, yeah. The temporary assistance for uh, needy families and SNAP um, is one of those other things where, hey, if you make a certain amount of money, 
And then all of a sudden your rent jacks up by $500, but your income didn't. Like, that's a huge problem, right? <laughs> so. And now, and now, after reading um, Rise of the Warrior Cop and a couple others too, like, well, now it also, it's also just putting people in a specific place where they can target them with raids and put them in prison so that they can have an even less expensive workforce. Yeah, I gotta. There's another book I gotta get you to read. It's, that's a whole other story. Yeah, that's probably top. There's a book on redlining. I forget the name of the book, but it was. It's really good. Basically, most of these places that are Section Eight housing are they're traditionally redlined uh, areas, and that's also places that are highly policed. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's a pretty messed up system. But anyway, um, housing assistance is, right. is is needed. It's a needed thing for people. Um, yeah. I, I know p- people personally that are still using you know, housing assistance, you know, to this day. Um, and yeah, it's definitely needed as like a, um, like a safety net for Americans if, if you're low income. So and it's a social program. Yeah. I feel like it's an effort towards what we were talking about, which is like providing some kind of affordable housing. But I think it's, this would have to be if, if the homeless savior housing, right? Like just, it's literally more than just the cardboard box you're living in is like, tier zero like we're giving them something to live in uh what we're talking about with section eight type housing or uh what what was the official title for it housing assistance um well it's a house it's a housing choice voucher program housing, okay. <laughs> housing i was saying like i've i knew i'd heard it but then when you said it, i was like oh that's the that's the real name for it but no one ever calls it that <laughs> um we're talking about like at least tier two like these are decent places that people are able to like still rent at their affordability, the house is of a higher quality, but then the difference is made up for by the government. And that's a good thing. That's like you've stepped from a thing that doesn't exist, which is like homeless housing, right? Like up to something above that somehow, and then made it into like, I'm actually renting a decent place that I can't really afford, but that I'm getting help with. And that makes a huge difference to someone mentally to then have it taken away by like getting outside. Again, it, it needs to be like a stepped program where instead of just being means tested, like you said, like you hit this dollar amount and the, the support goes away, um, where it would be this dollar amount, it, you know, it incrementally goes away so that your budget is kind of like matching with it as you go. Yeah. You're making more, therefore our support is less, but it's not non-existent. Therefore, you're able to budget and like make your way there. You start making more, start making more, start making more. Eventually, you've made enough to like close that gap, and you're now paying for this place. I don't know. It seems like that would work better. It would work better, but so would UBI. I'm just saying, you know me, UBI guy. So <laughs> we save money on the, on the back end. <laughs> yeah, because you get rid of yeah. you, well, we, we like three, well, not three, actually a bunch of these you could get rid of with UBI. So. But I mean, so, okay, say say it was the $1,000 we're talking about with UBI before. Uh, between... I'll... Go ahead. Hmm? Let's say between like three of those programs, we're talking about more than $1,000. Yeah, well, I'd also make it... Well, it depends on where you live, but I, I'd also make it make it variable uh, from where you live to make it, you know, an actual... Like living. a cost of living kind of yeah. allowance. Like we, we have... There's calculations. Hold you can on. know what the appropriate amount would be. Okay. Yep. That's that's the way I would it's do it. It's going to fall behind... Prices are going to go up again, but yeah, but yeah, I, you know how BAH works. You know how BAH works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as soon as the BAH goes up, rent goes up. Yeah. 
because they, they know where the money's coming from. They pay those people pay attention. Um, all right, so let's get into um, when we talk. We talk about social programs, and let's talk about um, the reason why we need social programs. And I think this is something that a lot of people don't really want to talk about or even like really understand. And it's the fact that. In America, we are not doing so great with um, workers' rights and workers' benefits. And I think that's a huge problem of why we need a lot of these social programs. And uh, I don't understand why America has been like so indoctrinated against, like, and don't get me wrong. Yeah, socialism and communism is not good, but it's also never been truly implemented on the planet. Like, if you want to look at China, there's over four... Is anywhere between uh, right around two million to a little over four million millionaires in China. That makes the possibility of true communism and socialism impossible, especially when you have the fact that their workers have like no rights. So when we talk about the actual core, uh, you know, message of, of socialism, it's based around the workers. And yeah, meanwhile, yeah, workers jumping off buildings, committing suicide because they can't make cell phones fucking fast enough. So and in um, in Russia, the oligarchy, the oligarchy system never went away all throughout their communist history. It's still around today. They're, you know, billionaires, probably even trillionaires and even more than that. They don't. Same family. What's up? Yeah, same, same family. Same family. Same exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and they do not um, report their real incomes at all. Um, you didn't see the you know USSR go through and liquidate all their assets and give it back to the people, did you? No, you didn't. That would be communism. If they had done it right, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's you know one thing you know that I want to make sure that everybody understands is that socialism and communism has never been, really been in, implemented the way it was intended anywhere on the planet successfully. Anyway. Yeah, and so there's like. Um... There's this annual class like I have to do as a part of one of our just regular annual trainings, and included in it is one of the documents that directs the like ways that um, businesses have to manage their um, worker staff. And I can't remember the number right now, obviously, but like one of the things that always baffled me about it is a rule that's in it. And again, I don't, I don't necessarily always agree with a lot of the things we say is the way that our country runs stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so in this, it says that like workers can't be given housing on site. Like they have to, they have to live separately. Like you can't provide them with housing on site. But to me, that has always seemed like we do that here. a really weird disconnect, a backwards thing where it's like, but if, if the business was doing a good thing for them and providing them with a local site where they could, just live like not even charging you for it. Like you don't pay rent. Your pay is like offset probably. Like you're not going to make as much at this, a similar type job somewhere else, but you don't have to pay for housing. There's the cafeteria. You just eat there. Like if you could literally just live and eat and work and, and all the money that you make from the job that you're doing is yours to do with whatever, because you don't have to worry about food or housing or whatever. Wouldn't that be good? Like, so, wouldn't it be good if the business did that? So some places do that. They really do. So places in the Bay Area have, have done that. And actually, I've done it as a contractor. 
like when I went, you know, and worked for the U.S. Army and the U.S. Air Force and, you know, the DOD in general, um, when I went to Iraq, guess what? My housing was paid for. My food was all paid for. I didn't have to worry about any of that kind of shit. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll say that and then turn around and like, I have Marines living in a barracks and eating a chow. Yeah, it's it, it's not me. it's not uncommon as people would think. Yeah. So like, and it, I get what the issue is: is that it's the effort to like curb exploitation of those people, like so that you like aren't taking care of them and they're living in squalor. But that's easy. You you, you regulate it, right? Like you're able to do this, but these are the stipulations. Like they have to actually be living well. Um, and people would have to be available to inspect that and check them, but like, I, but that's a rule. Like that's literally a law that says you, they're not allowed to do that. Well, this this is the weird part. I think when it comes to the military specifically, um, the reason why it's more acceptable is because um, they're not making a quote unquote profit off of the person that is doing the you know living and working in the same basic area, right? When it comes to like corporations doing it, and this is where we're going to get into like. Kind of in the weeds. Yeah, they would, yeah. This this comes into wage theft. Okay, so this is a good segue, and this is a huge deal. All right, <laughs> because I think when I started like researching this stuff, I was kind of just like, "What is going on here?" We've just accepted wage theft. I think basically since the time of slavery. This goes back to like slave days. It, it's <laughs> wage theft. So, um, the Economic Policy Institute, which I will link in the description on this podcast. They did a study, I think it was in 2017, and they did a whole report, and I'm going to quote from the website. This report assesses the prevalence and magnitude of one, of one form of wage theft, minimum wage violations. This is just one form of wage theft, okay? And I'll tell you about my form of wage theft when I was a contractor. This is just for minimum, minimum wage violations. So this is the... Just not being minimum wage. Yeah. So workers being paid at an effective hourly rate below the binding minimum wage, right? Yep. In the 10 most populous U.S. states, um, we find that, that obviously the website, in, that in these states, 2.4 million workers lose $8 billion annually, an average of $3,300 per, per year for year-round workers to minimum wage violations, nearly a quarter of their earned wages. This form of wage theft affects 17% of low-wage workers, with workers in all demographic categories being cheated out of pay. And, go ahead. To clarify, that was only 10 states. Yeah, the 10 most popular states. All right, um, and this is only in the United States, okay? So what's amazing to me, something that I, I was like, I, I watched a video on, I forget the guy's name, I, I got to look it up, but there was a person that did a video, uh, it was from the Gravel Institute, and he was talking about uh, wage theft and, um, and profits in corporations. Basically, corporations posting all these profits, this is the most blinding display of wage theft that has ever existed, but we, we're just like, oh, these companies are making, you know, a whole bunch of money. They're making profits. That's a good thing, right? Ooh. No, it's really not. Like, it's good for the company, but their workers are not getting paid off of their actual work. What I mean by that is you have all these workers that are working, you know, to do whatever menial tasks or even like important tasks, like, you know, complex tasks. And they're, they're 
make they're doing their job so well that their companies are making money off of their wages in the form of I'm sorry they're making money off of their actual labor way more than they're supposed to be paying them like so when you see like we'll say like an Amazon you know they're pulling down you know billions of dollars in profit those billions of dollars in profits are off of their laborers backs so when they're boasting billions of dollars in profits those are billions of dollars that should have went to their actual laborers at least a larger portion of that. I'm not saying 100%, because yeah, I get it. Yeah, you should make profit, but also you should like wrap those profits back up into your company to make it better or give it back to your workers because they're the ones that you're actually making the revenue off of is their actual labor. And people don't seem to understand that. They just think that, oh, they're profitable, but they don't understand why they're profitable. They're profitable off labor by not paying them a certain wage. And then how are they sustaining that? Like I have to assume they're just cycling people through because no one's going to put up with that for too long. No, they're going to because especially if you're a low-wage worker, think about when you were a low-wage worker. Like when you were getting paid minimum wage, you had minimal skills. Where did you work? Uh, cabinet shops, sweeping floors, Taco Any, Bell. Anywhere you could, right? Yeah. Was it really a choice? No, yeah, coffee shops. And again, like you said, eventually you like start developing skills, but yeah, no, whatever. So, so even when you start developing skills, I'm going to maybe finish your thought that you were thinking. If, as you develop skills, you probably have less wage theft, right? Yeah. No. <laughs> I will tell you my story, all right? When I was a contractor for the, the Department of Defense, I was working for Dell and EMC as being a storage area network guy. And I went to Iraq and I worked there for a while. I was getting paid a bunch of money. I'll, I'll give you the actual numbers. This is no lie. For the first time I went to Iraq for a year, I got paid a quarter of a million dollars. That's $250,000 for one year of work. Mm-hmm. The DOD paid anywhere between 1.2 and $1.6 million just for me. Just for your country. Yeah, yeah I, was happy to get, I was happy to get paid less than a quarter for what what they were charging for my work, my work. I was doing the work. I learned those skills. I'm the one that was that put my life in danger to go there and work there. And I was happy to get paid less than a quarter of what the Department of Defense was paying for my spot. That is wage theft. Yeah, and the the numbers you cited before when they talked about that three thousand dollars that um that the average one lost order, would they say that, that they said that was about about half, right? Uh, about half of their their annual income or something like that. Uh, let me see, an average of thirty. I uh, just said thirty three hundred dollars per year uh, for year round workers. It didn't it didn't give me. Oh, sorry, nearly a quarter. It's nearly a quarter of their earned wages. So can you imagine getting paid minimum wage and a quarter of your fucking wages were stolen from you? And and they know yeah. this, because <laughs> you're not even getting paid minimum wage at that point. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, <laughs> weird. I, my mind went to like tying it back to is like, well, is part of that coming from you having to pay the other six point two percent for your social security because <laughs> they're not paying it? Yeah, no, that that's actually part of what they did. Um, for some of them, yeah, is that they don't they don't pay the other <laughs> the other part of it, and okay. uh, it's it's insane like how much we've normalized these corporations stealing from us in the form just to make a profit. And that profit 
all that profit does for the most part is just it jacks up their their stock prices because they're showing that they're making a profit because we have the, the infinite growth paradigm you know um on planet earth which is it, it's totally nonsense basically you have to make profits you have to increase your revenue and profits year over year or people will be less inclined to invest in your company but you can't keep making profits year over year because that's infinite growth and that's impossible you can't make more profits which is what they're looking for yeah you make the same amount but that's not that's not good enough no but that's which is unsustainable and uh it so i don't know it's probably part of the native american in me too is like it sees sees that part of western culture too and is like you realize <laughs> that that just doesn't work right you have to find the balance and it just it's really frustrating to see and it's so weird too to think about like i talk about balance a lot and like, like the name of the podcast oh, that was amazing holy crap did <laughs> I, I didn't do that you did that um because you know it's it's the thing you have to do and so like there were moments today i was doing work and doing some other things and then like i stopped and just did something i wanted to do and of course that's the moment when mama bear comes in she's like oh this is what you're doing for work today yeah (laughs) (laughs) like i had to look i'm done with this i have to finish that and i needed to stop for a second so i'm watching this stupid it was a live stream some lego builder thing i I don't even i actually was putting it on so that i could listen to it while doing something else but i was like yeah what about it because i need you gotta have balance i know that i'm gonna spend the whole rest of the day installing appliances like i'm not gonna get to take a break today so you you did a breath for a minute and that's just one example of like you got personally right find balance but we as like society need to find this balance too at some point except that you know you're gonna have those ebbs and flows and you should still if you, if you believe in what that company is doing or what that business is about those those kinds of numbers shouldn't matter because what they're going to do is continue to make so like we don't have a metric for like how much of a good impact are they having yeah. how good are they doing what are they doing it's just how much money are they making yeah and it's it's wrong i think it's it's very wrong i think that it needs to it needs to be more fair for, for workers here in America. And this is not, you know, I just talked about the definition of socialism. I'm not saying make it a fucking socialist thing. All I'm saying, though, is is pay workers their actual fair share and stop literally robbing them from their labor and the, the wages that are owed to them. Because right now, um, we're geared, like the way we're going right now, at some point in time, America is going to crash hard. Because this is, this is totally unsustainable. It's totally unsustainable. Russia knows that. China knows that. They're all just like waiting, buying their time. You know, they're they're putting money in things that we're not putting money into, and they are going to reap the benefits. And we're just we're not going to do it for, for for now until we have somebody like like Papa Bear run for office and maybe fix these problems. <laughs> uh, That's going to be a minute. Yeah, at least a couple more years. Uh, do you do you see um, like a tract? growth for pay uh, or or like some kind of benefits well first off right pay them their actual wage let's start there but um say say that wages for workers would increase at a rate like equivalent to your growth too right so you could still claim the numbers uh this was the amount of profit growth we had but you don't see that money because you like i said you reinvested in 
by increasing wages, you should already be at a sustainable percentage, right? Like, yeah. hey, this is a number we can manage. And then you've made this much more. You're like, okay, well, let's bring everybody to that. And so then pays increased for employees. And then you can still continue to see growth if you can manage to produce that as a company because whatever you're doing is producing that growth. And then they see wage increases. Then you don't, right? So, oh, hey, this year we lost a percentage. So your percentage of pay, like next year you're gonna have a one percent less pay or whatever it is. Like that way we're all in this. Like we're in this as a team. It presents that sense of community. Kind of sucks if you're like an employee. You're like I'm a waged employee and I took a pay cut because the company did. It's like, hey, look, we are all doing that. As long as again, as long as we're actually all doing that, not just just the workers. Yeah. But um, if there's that that team, that feeling, that balance between those who are working and getting things and those who are trying to like do the business plan like what are we getting involved in what are we not what are we working on then then it's a team and we're working towards it and we're all in this if we if we succeed we all succeed if we fail we because we all fail yeah um it's hard it's hard to sell though no it's it's actually not it's only hard to sell in america this is the this is the <laughs> insane thing to me on the research that I, that I did is that so we'll look at mcdonald's all right as a company mcdonald's makes a lot of profits. I, I, I don't know the actual number. I'm not going to look, look at it right now. But I will tell you that when we talk about minimum wage worker workers, we usually think about like, you know, a fast food worker, right? Flipping burgers. It's not yeah. hard to do. I totally agree. It's not hard to do. Um, in certain parts of the country, the minimum wage is only, what, $7.25? Something like that. That's the actual federal minimum wage. And some states still uh, hold to that. Um, and they don't have... I was distracted a second. Say again? What did you say to the federal minimum wage? I think it's seven dollars and twenty-five cents. Okay. It hasn't changed in a number of years. It might be close to twenty. Correct. Yeah. 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 Um, so you're probably thinking, well, you know, if they raise the minimum wage uh, at McDonald's, they're just going to raise the prices. No. All right. I'll tell you right now, very unlikely to happen. Do you know how much? You know how much they pay the McDonald's workers in Norway? Yeah. In American dollars. Twenty-one dollars. And they also have paid Indeed. time off. They also have health benefits. They also have a, vast, a whole bunch of other things that they get in, uh, in Norway that they don't get in America. So if you're going to tell me, um, did they raise their prices in Norway for McDonald's? No. Because nobody, you know, it's, it's not a reasonable amount of money that they're paying for their food. Is that Norway, they understand that people, workers should have workers' rights and that there's a minimum, there's a minimum. Um, not just a minimum uh, income that they're willing to, to put out, but there's also like a minimum like life. Uh, God damn, what's the word I'm thinking of? Quality of life. There's a minimum quality of life that Norway yeah. is going to have, and they're sticking to it. In America, we're let we're just so willing to like just let people just fall off the goddamn cliff here and just let them live in that tent city. In that part of the yeah. town that you don't like to go to because you know they're living in tent. You don't want to see it because you're seeing America failing, and it's and it's a huge uh, problem. So some of that is is hard to use as concrete numbers. I did, I did look up McDonald's numbers. Um, so 2020 was actually the lowest in a while. It was only uh, so. What would that be? Nine point seven billion. <laughs> yeah, is that all? Yeah. Because it was 11 and then 10 and then 10 in 
because um, it's that it's weirdly done. I'm looking at it in millions of U.S. dollars, and then it says nine thousand seven hundred fifty-two. How dare they? Million, which would be nine seven million. I did like make me do math. It's annoying. Anyways, <laughs> um, so using Scandinavian countries, unfortunately, is really really hard for us to honestly compare the United States to because they are a homogenous culture. They are all Norwegian or, you know, Swedish. Uh, we're Americans and that means a whole bunch of weird shit. And we don't necessarily agree that we're all the same. We don't agree that we're Americans, right? We don't agree that what that even means. I mean, I, so that's the part of the problem. I do. I think we're all Americans, but you know, <laughs> no, I'm, Americans don't agree yeah, yeah. what that means though. What that means, a lot of people, if they, like half the stuff that I've even said on this podcast at this point, probably people are like, America, it's America. <laughs> but anyways, like the, but, but so they, they also are paying like 70% of their wages in taxes because they culturally have agreed that there are a whole lot of things we should all have access to. So I know in Norway, I know in Norway, and I believe in Sweden too. Um, like, you don't pay for fuel when you go to a gas station to fuel up your car, uh, because there's so many regulations on which cars you can have and what you can drive and what you're using it for and all these other things. And they just agreed to take take that seriously that you just fuel your car up and go. Some they've decided that's a thing that if you have a car and you're using it, just get gas. Yeah, so can we backtrack just to, just for a minute here? Because I of course, used to, yeah, that seems like a big of a stretch. But no, 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 it's not even the gas thing is fine. Um, what you said about the seventy percent, you know, effective tax rate in uh, in Nor- you know, like Norway and other like Scandinavian countries. Um, yeah. I used to think that well, obviously it's a fact they they do pay what would seem like higher taxes than America does, but um, I'm not convinced, especially at my income right now, that they pay significantly more in taxes than I do. I think we probably pay nearly the same amount um, because I get taxed uh, pretty close to maybe 37 to 40% in taxes right from the jump. You know, um, I also pay for registration for my car. I pay my local taxes. I pay um, sales tax. I pay, there's a whole bunch of litany of other taxes that I pay for um, in America that um, amounts to pretty goddamn close to at least 60% of my wages that I have no access to because I'm paying for them in taxes. And, and I guess those who, who count that number assume they're then also paying all of that other stuff, like paying for registration and, and other things. I don't uh, think they are. I don't, Yeah, I don't know. It would make sense to not. Like, yeah. you've already paid a whole lot, so... And, oh, and even, yeah. if they, even if they, even if they, I'd be totally willing to check that out. Yeah, let's. We should definitely check it out. But even if they were, the fact that their minimum wage is so much higher than ours kind of offsets that. And yeah, offsets and, and, then, and then look at this way too. If if you had to worry about not a damn thing yeah. at all, everything you needed and kind of wanted, and were like had access to, was totally paid for. Thirty percent of your wages was for whatever fuck you wanted. You just spend 30% of your wages on literally just bullshit. Like paying for video games. It's paying for like 
this a new computer. And if you could say, oh, that's computers for work too, that's probably paid for. Yeah. Like, <laughs> if suddenly this was literally only for the dumb, sh- like the, the really expensive D&D dice that you're not going to tell Mama Bear that I bought. <laughs> like, for no reason. Just spend 60 bucks on a pair, a set of dice. Like, you, you, you can just spend your money on that. You don't have to worry about all that other stuff. Like this house paid for, you know, your water paid for, your electricity paid for. If all of those things were just requirements for living, your money's for Lego and other dumb crap. Yeah, but your society has to agree to it. I think that's the main thing. And that's that's where they have that advantage on us, which is that cohesive, like unified concept that we don't always have and we struggle with because we also kind of pride ourselves on the we're a hodgepodge of everything and we're, you know, the melting pot of and this other concepts that like supposed to say that we are one thing made of many, but that also kind of leads us to back of your mind thinking, but that means it's a whole bunch of other people. It's a bunch of many. It's a bunch of not exactly the same as me. Yep. And instead of just believing we're all Americans and, and trusting that, like, like you said, I'm paying into the system that I trust will help take care of my fellow citizens. And maybe part of it is that lack of trust too. We see the system doesn't take care of them. So why would I put money into it when you're not going to actually take care of people? You're just going to take my money. Yeah. I, I, we need a better trust system. Um, in uh in America, especially in our government, and I think a couple of podcasts ago, when you had your your ten things that you would change about the U.S. government, I think those were all steps in the uh, in the right direction for the vast majority of Americans that aren't pieces of shit. A lot of them are simple. <laughs> yeah, they're very they, they seem simple. Are, right? Yeah. All right. Sorry, what did you say? No, they they seem simple, but you know, people are just. God damn! I'm just thinking about like I'm going to like this. I'm, I'm a new inclusionary training tomorrow for for work. Okay. And I was talking to another person of color, and I remember like the the things that we were <laughs> we were talking about is like you know this isn't going to go over great with everybody, and we it, this is just like unspoken shit. Like we we knew exactly what the fuck we were talking about, and it was just like yeah yeah I know it's like people are going to take this the wrong way, and I'm like yeah yeah I know, but those people you know they uh, first of all. If they're not going to take it the right way, they're the first people are going to say that I'm not racist, and they're the, they're also don't want anybody to have the, the people that don't want any other person to have any part of their pie, what they assume is their pie. You know what I mean? They don't want people to enjoy the same things that they had, you know, here. And it's just like, why? Like, accept them. Like, we're paying taxes. To me, if you're, as long as you're paying taxes and not, you know, committing like fucking violent crimes, I don't care what you do. You know what I mean? Just pay your taxes. Don't commit acts of violence or, you know, the co- couple other things too, obviously. But, I mean, I don't think that's a very high bar to, to really have. To, to be a, to like be a decent person. It's really not. Yeah, it's really not. Like, I'm a fucking bar with low as shit. But, <laughs> Did you stab anybody today? No. Yeah. It's, awesome. Paying taxes is good. Yeah, like, keep doing that. Yeah, there's people out there that are just like they don't want to people to be included, you know, in the anything because we're we're the others. Yeah, I, you brought up the pie, and like I, I always think about it, and it's a very American thing. And you, I, I guarantee, if you ask ten people, at least eight or nine of them would give you the same answer, right? If you had a, a whole pie, the whole pie, eight slices, would you feel better if you ate the whole pie? And you got to eat the whole pie. Or if you shared it with eight people and 
you all sat together. You got to enjoy everybody seeing all eight slices of that pie. Well, the best part is that all eight of you helped build the pie. Like oh, you actually well, yeah. We, we made this pie, the pie together, and then we, we all eat the pie. But instead, like, I guess because, so maybe, what, like, I paid for the ingredients, but we all made it together. So that's my pie. <laughs> Therefore, I'm going to eat all the pie as an option. But I could also make sure that since everybody contributed, you know, we all eat the pie. But, like, if you if you frame it the way I kind of started to, most people would be like, oh, no, it'd be great. Have my friends. We would all eat pie. I would enjoy that more. But you still just want to eat the whole fucking pie. Like, <laughs> that's what you want to do. You you will somehow in the end still eat the whole pie instead of understanding you would you would, you would would feel better by not eating a whole pie. I mean, first off, you're going to feel like crap anyways. But, like, sharing that and seeing the joy in some of your friends makes you feel better. You know that, but you still just won't do it. Well, and it's also, this is the other aspect of, like, the pie analogy is that if you ate the whole pie in front of eight of your friends, I'm sorry, seven of your friends, math, come on, yeah. Cronus. Anyway, if you ate the whole pie in seven, good. go ahead. I'm math good. Yeah, if you ate the whole pie in front of seven of your friends, and maybe one of them was hungry, the person might fuck you up to get to get their piece of their pie. Or I'm you definitely won't have them help you make another pie. Well, but they somebody might rob you of your pie, like the the whole yeah. thing. So, and this is the this goes into like a whole other issue with America is like we have a serious problem with like poverty. And when you when you deny somebody like the piece of their pie, no matter what slice that might be, they're going to get desperate and they're going to do some messed up to get the piece of their pie, whether it's legal or or not legal. Yeah. All right, a um, couple of last things. Um, I was looking up actually where the U.S. ranked um, with workers' benefits uh, compared to the rest of the world. Can you take a, a guess on where the U.S. ranks uh, for workers' benefits? Against According the the to what source? Uh, there's a place called uh, Zenefits, and this is where most media outlets go back to is this this uh, research okay. piece. So, um, 12. No. <laughs> <laughs> Dad. <laughs> We are not in the top 20. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I think there was a... We talked about John Oliver not too long ago. I think yeah. there was an episode where he... Oh, no, no. It wasn't John Oliver. I was remembering it being some kind of a news thing. It was the newsroom. Mm -hmm. It was that first episode. Oh, I love that show. Where he, that he just blows up and was like, the only thing... And I was like, I gotta watch it. And I, I absolutely was like, every night that episode, new episode, so I'm like, I don't care how late it is. I'm staying up and watching it. Whatever time zone I was in, I was watching it. And, that show was amazing. It only did three seasons, right? Three I think so. Think. Yeah, yeah. But what was amazing so is that when you watch the first episode, it took me a second to understand that they were like literally telling the news, like historically, just like from that certain. I was like, this is. It was like the greatest concept. Well, not the greatest. It's up there. One of the greatest yeah. concepts ever for like any sort of like, you know, video anything. I was just like, dude, this is really cool. The way they're like retelling history in like this dramatized form. It's amazing. Yeah, because it was real events redone and then done where you kind of got to see behind the scenes of what that probably was actually like. Oh, man, it was definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. Anyway, we rank uh, 30th in uh, worker benefits, and it's behind developing nations. Um, this is based upon paid leave, minimum wage, employee security, in, employee data security, uh, health care, and retirement. So... 
Yeah, and I'll, I'll put the link in the description because it gives like the actual breakdown. We're behind Mexico, which I was like, holy shit, like really? <laughs> We're behind, not that I, I'm not trying to disparage Mexico, but I mean like people come from Mexico to here, you know? for for a better life and yeah. we rank behind them in work and you know workers benefits that's hey but i mean 30 out of 195 <laughs> yeah but america's I number mean, one I mean, that's... yeah <laughs> we, we we tout i mean this is like part of the thing about being an american like we're we're taught from like an early age that we're number one in like basically everything it's like i mean we're not i mean we're, we're number one in like a lot of stuff but not not everything and things that, when it comes to like basic human needs and even human rights, we are we're nowhere near the like the top. So it, it's a shame. Yeah, I think it's a mis a misnomer that the you know, opportunity that exists in order to be able to achieve these these heights of success or whatever um, are available to everybody. When the reality is, in order to get there, you're gonna have to step on a lot of people. And not care about them, and now you're able to do that in the United yep. States a lot of times because of, like you said, where where that number sets us. We're willing to accept 30th place in worker, you know, uh, care because we know that by stepping on enough of those people to get up to the top, you're going to make some people really, really wealthy. Yeah, and I, I think that we need like a, a consciousness shift in a in America to like get away from that profits over people mentality it needs to be people or profits and again i'm not saying that people should not become wealthy because no no not that at all. motivates yeah. me and it motivates you like that's a huge motivation i think that people have to have motivation we talked about the fixed mindset like it's about motivation that makes you be able to pursue a growth mindset even if, if you understand that and believe in it like you have to have that drive and that belief and some of that comes from this opportunity for success but it has to be balanced. Like there has to be this balance of, I understand that I'm climbing, but I shouldn't just climb alone. I should be bringing people up with me. Yes, I totally agree. Like I, I, I still believe in sort of the American dream. It's, it's been kind of modified for me recently, but I still, you know, I still strive to be wealthy someday. I, I used to be rich and that's when I understood the difference between the rich and the wealthy um rich can you can lose being rich but if you're wealthy you're not going to lose being wealthy like you can have generational wealth and you, that's when your money makes money and it does not stop that's what i want and i want to be able to help people with it um so we don't have these same sorts of issues um in america still or at least in my fucking inner circle so people that you i know are struggling yeah. yeah so they're not struggling and then if i can expand it out to help other people you know like I, i've you know done my sort of you know civil service time like you know i've, I've worked in um soup kitchens i've done uh work with like the like kind of scared straight thing with the vita program in, in east la you know i definitely did my volunteerism to like help people out um but i think that you know if i can get to a certain level of of wealth maybe i could do a better job of that and just like have things go the way that i want them to go and I think that when people think about like wealthy people and like take Jeff Bezos and they're like, oh, this guy makes, you know, all this money. Like, why isn't he doing more for people? This guy, he's, he's kind of a bad example, um, obviously, because especially right now with Amazon, the, the whole like labor laws and like them like really fucking over workers. But as far as his money goes, he gives a lot of his money to charity. 
Um, but at the same time, he can give 100% of his, like, everything that he has um, to whatever charity that he wants. It's not going to fix America. The problem with America is not, is not um, necessarily the wealthy class. It's the government. That's the problem. That allows all these things to occur. That's the problem. Yeah, because as a society across America, we don't all look to Jeff Bezos to like take care of the bottom level of mass society. No, <laughs> yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's not. And we should we should count on each other to take care of each other when we get to that point. And I guarantee that if anybody in his sphere and probably a pretty large circle around that even uh, hit that hit that level where they needed help, he would help them. Absolutely. But he's not obligated and none of us should expect or feel entitled to his money to to no. get out of those situations. We should be expecting us to all help each other to do that. Now, I do think he needs to contribute his part, same as everybody else. Yeah. His part should be percentage-based, so that way we know that it's fair, right? But it's not on him to just do it all. He had a really good idea. He made it work. He worked his ass off to get there. He really did, and he, I mean, he he deserves it. But also, like the stuff that I see with like with Amazon now, with like how, the way they're treating the workers, it's like man, yeah. Like, I, and I, I don't even believe, like, I, I don't like the, I, oh, fuck, it, I'll say it. I don't, I don't like the idea of unions, right? But yeah. um, if anything, any organization needed to unionize just to like get basic fucking rights, it's Where Amazon workers. workers. Yeah, like they, I mean, like, dude, Jesus Christ! I used to work for yeah. UPS. They were a union. Um, but yeah, they're getting fucked over. Yeah, and I would put money on the idea that he probably doesn't know the details or didn't know the details before they came out. Like, yeah, he's not managing that level of detail, but he's probably setting the organizational precedent that drives that kind of decision making at the management level, and he knows that, and he's going to pay for it, and he's going to try well, to fix it. I'm sure, but no, he's not. I mean, he's not. He's no longer the CEO of Amazon. The guy, he did a smart thing. He fucking. He just left. He's like, all right, all right, later. I'm, you know, multi-billionaire. I'm good. I didn't even know that. Yeah. yeah. He left a, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe months ago. I haven't been paying that close of attention, apparently. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, you guys should think about it. All right. So I'm going to end this podcast on a sort of depressing note. And this is when it co- it's kind of like wrapping stuff around um, right. social stuff and like wage theft and all these things. Uh, somebody actually asked us on the podcast a little while ago to talk about um, the latest stimulus bill. So I'm going to talk about a s- part of it. Um, we're going to do a whole podcast on it. Okay, we're going to we're going to do research. We're going to do it together. Do some research to see what was going on. And my screen is frozen. Can you still hear me? Can you hear me? What the fuck? All right. Well. This is a technical issue. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. All right, hold on. Go wait for the video to catch up. My connection dropped. You're still uh, mid blinking. <laughs> All right, there we go. Uh, starting to catch up. Yep, yep, yeah, you're good. There now. we go. All right, now I'm back. All right, so somebody asked us to talk about the the, the stimulus bill, which we're going to do some research to like really get into the meat, meat and potatoes right. of the actual bill. Um, but as I was doing my research for this, I was looking up. Um, Fair shares, like when we talk about, you know, corporations, which are people now, legally, even though they're not really, but they're legally they're supposed to be as people, which is weird as shit. So I looked up, hey, um, we have the stimulus package that's coming up. It's $1.9 trillion. 
what's the breakdown of like how much money we're getting? Like how much people paying into taxes and how much are corporations paying in taxes? All right, so I'll break it down for you. This is it for 2019. Uh, corporate income taxes were uh, 230.2 billion dollars in 2019 in taxes collected in income taxes. Total taxes collected in 2019 were 3.46 trillion dollars. Trillion dollars. That's with the T, not with the B. All right. So the latest stimulus bill was 1.9 trillion dollars. This distributed uh, $1,400 checks to approximately 127 million people. That is only $177.9 billion out of $1.9 trillion in a stimulus package that went directly to people. All right. The same people that pay more in taxes than corporations collectively, vastly more. Like, it's not even a fucking drop in the bucket compared to, like, what the people pay. And you're telling me that we get less than, oh, math? It's less than a percent, I think. I'm pretty sure it's less than a percent. Yeah, one point, not one point, yes, less than, the people are getting, is it half a percent? Something like that. Yeah, it's, it's it's pretty low that we're getting direct, this is money that we put into the system that are, we're not getting back out. That we pay vastly more than corporations did, but corporations are getting more out of that $1.9 trillion than the people are. And the other money, because it's not evenly distributed, obviously, right? Um, not the rest of the money that is the $1.9 you know, trillion um, is going towards the corporations. But it's going into other government programs and other like vague things that will be better served by just paying people. Like, why aren't we just paying people? If you want to tell me, you know, oh, we have this for, for small businesses, small businesses are people too. You know, if a small business is failing, why don't you just pay them directly? Yeah. Why why they need why they need a like a PPP loan? If you're pay, if the people that you're employing and you are getting compensated during uh, this, you know, health crisis, if you're okay. compensated, then you're fine. Like, why do you need the corp, like the corporation or the small business to like really get incentivized when your basic needs are being met. And so I, I want, go ahead. Say, so especially if like, what is $1,400? We're <laughs> talking about yeah. a year, a year's worth of time. Like, so there's been three total, right? 1400 1800 and something else before that. And like, even across a year's oh. worth of time, three, let's call them even $2,000 payments, $6,000. What's that doing for somebody who can't work or, you know, it isn't, isn't, I don't even understand how people are still surviving because I've been, obviously I'm salaried and, and now in a critical position for continuing to make sure that the Marine Corps doesn't just entirely fall apart by not bringing new Marines in and training them to become Marines and do their jobs. But, so that's considered to be a, a vital job. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, like how are how are people who aren't able to work from home getting through this when all we've done is give them six thousand dollars? When and you're just talking about the most current one, I can imagine if we did the numbers across all three, which it sounds like we will, which yeah. sounds great. Well, um, yeah, on the next one, not this one, but yeah, we will. Yeah, yeah, later, later, later. But I mean, even just on one, for it to be that small of an amount in a in a total dollar amount like that, when 
if we had just even made it something that would be feasible to actually support people, it probably still wouldn't hit a, a huge amount of this we're talking about. We could still fund these other programs. Yeah. It, yeah, it made me like really angry when I started crunching the numbers, and I was just like, "We're not, uh, we're not helping people. Like, like we're right, helping." Where is where is our person in Congress, like saying this shit? Like, how the how the fuck are we only paying people this much money when we're putting this much into the program? Let yeah. me do the math and like standing there on the floor with a chalkboard, like in Congress, like, huh? If only we did this, then what? What are we doing? I, I, I wish Katie Porter, Katie Porter, would have done this. She because she does like the whole like whiteboard thing. She could have broken down because it's like literally less than a percent. It's less than a percent, and the rest of it is going back into the government or to corporations. Um, so just, that you can see, we put together a a three point six trillion dollar support bill, and then not actually support it. Yeah, and there's money left over from the last bill. That hasn't been used yet, so which we'll go over in the last in in uh, subsequent podcast. Um, but yeah, it's amazing to me how much money has been spent um, on corporations and not on the people. And so, hopefully, the next time you hear somebody talk about America's becoming socialist, listen to this podcast. Tell them to shut the fuck up. No, we're not. If we're a socialist, come a social. If we're becoming a socialist country. Then we would protect our workers more. At bare minimum, we would protect our, our our workers more. Which is everybody listening to this, unless you're a Jeff Bezos. Which I mean, you worked at some point in time, I guess, Jeff Bezos. At which point? Uh, promote this podcast, please. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, just put it in number one, number one spot. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, he definitely got his wages stolen at some point when he was young and working. Yeah. Because I don't think he started off. He didn't have family money. He's a new. He's new money. No, no. And I actually, I saw a a messed up, like, this is a Facebook thing about talking about how he, how he came from money. No, he didn't. He came from a single mom, and then his his, his stepdad was um, an immigrant to America. So he didn't come from any money either. So I, I remember watching pictures of this guy. I remember when Amazon first came up, and they just sold books. It's a bookstore. Yeah. yeah, it just sold books. And there's pictures of him you could find of him, like his old shitty-ass, you know, 486 computer with, like, Amazon and, like, a shitty banner and like a, a one office. Amazon was basically one office, and he, he brought it up from nothing. Yeah, but it doesn't excuse like the the you know things are going on now in Amazon. Like no, no. there's literally yeah. stories of people like pissing in bottles and shitting in in yes. their cars to like make these deliveries, and it's like man, no. that's it's not, not okay. That yeah, it's not. <laughs> I, I can get my package tomorrow. It's fine. If you gotta if you gotta literally defecate or piss in the truck that you're trying to get my delivery to me on time, make it for tomorrow. Don't. Yeah. I think we'll be okay. We will survive. And with that, I conclude my social programs, slightly depressing, probably very depressing topic today. Yeah, and I guess uh, I'll give one one final thought, which was, I and mean, you kind of closed with it sort of too, which was like we would take better care of our workers, but also like then if it was truly socialist, right, our wages would be tied directly to the the work you're doing, which would mean they'd be tied directly to profits. So kind of like I'm, I said that, not that I think it's the right thing, but that would be a system that more accurately represented it, which is that 
you'd have a wage, and then if the company profited, you would profit. Your your wages would go up based on that, or you'd get bonuses at the end of the year based on your profits for the company, which could be cool. Yeah, but they don't. But, uh, this is the this is the messed up part. I mean, it's the 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 wealthy slash managerial class. Which I mean, I'm not the wealthy class, but I, they put me in like the managerial slash whatever fucking class because I have a certain amount of money. Is that I can put my, I can put my money yeah including you as well is that I can put my money into a company and profit off of their wage theft <laughs> because they are making profits off of wage theft yeah totally can and yeah, yeah th- that's the stock market if y'all didn't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's why I was like actually I am doing that so. yeah I, I am too I mean I have I have stock and yeah. in, until it's Apple. not viable I'll keep it. <laughs> yeah what was kind of crazy was that um i had stock in a company called um vivant solar oh yeah yeah and, uh, i know what that is and it then is they got too. bought by sunrun who installed my system here so nice. i was like buying into my own stuff uh yeah it's funny i i, I did i did a meme stock i bought some amc stock <laughs> Nice. A, little while, a little while back, it's, it it didn't go crazy yet, but I, I think it, it's in the long run. I think they'll they'll be up because oh, yeah. somebody's going to survive out of those you know companies. So yeah, AMC and uh, what's the other big GameStop. One? Like, uh... <laughs> that's mm-hmm. the that's the GameStop is oh, the other no, no, no. GameStop. I was talking about the, the movie theaters. Like there's AMC and then Regal. Like AMC and Regal Century, cinemas, yeah. they're they're not going anywhere. No, they'll make it through. They'll hold out. And then they'll come back with this with a storm, and you'll get something out of that. So. Yep. And then they'll steal wages from their employees. Yes, yes, they will. Because I used to work for Century Theaters as a minimum wage worker. So yeah, yeah. my buddy, if my buddy worked at theater too. Yeah, it's rough. That was tough. That was a tough job. I mean, it was rough, but as a kid, it's one of the great jobs you can ever get. Because so <laughs> when you're a kid cool. and you're starting off like working jobs, like it's it's good to have a job where you can like literally. Um, trade services with somebody else what i mean by trade services is like i worked at a movie theater i would let somebody in to like watch a movie if, if they like worked in like a fast food restaurant they would like give me free food so we would trade services with each other to like get stuff done yeah. <laughs> see that's and then that's why they steal our wages <laughs> me and you were trading stuff like that we're like yeah you can come on in or the other way around i did it because they stole my wages <laughs> Although I think I'd have to say I was not aware of it, and I doubt they do. <laughs> Most of the time, when you're that age, you're not really that aware that you're getting no, ripped off. No, 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 no. I, I was happy to like literally go home with a bag of uh, popcorn. Um, yeah, like I mean, a trash bag full of popcorn. I'm not talking about like, a reasonable bag of popcorn. A if trash. We're about bag. to throw this out, anyways. Yeah, so I take it home. I love popcorn. <laughs> All right, I think we've uh, had our end of podcast random conversation. We have, but I have to get up and like. Six hours, seven hours, something like that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I work at seven a.m. <laughs> yeah. are, are you going back to work tomorrow? Right. I am. You gonna work out tomorrow? Hmm? You working out tomorrow? Oh yeah, always. Yeah. And what are you gonna get? But like what four something in the morning? Five. Four o'clock. Yeah. Now I sound like a bitch. God damn it. That's okay. <laughs> I'm a civilian. I could be a, you know. You six is pretty badass for a civilian. Mm, but I probably won't get up at six. <laughs> no, stick to sticks and uh, we'll sound pretty uh, no I'll get up at 6.45 and then I'll you know then I'll work but uh, okay. sometimes I get up at 6.30 and I'll do yoga and then I'll work that's like that's what I should do all the time because I feel better throughout the day so, but I work out every day I was thinking 
I was thinking about starting Tai Chi every morning too, because like that's what the Chinese do, and then like almost throughout all of Asia, because it's smooth and like, with you get older and older, you can stay fit and do very low impact stuff. Thinking about anytime you can get your body. I mean, you're you're doing it anyway. You're an active marine, so it, this is irrelevant. Yeah. But for anybody else listening to this, anything you can do daily to get your goddamn body moving, just do it. Especially as you get older, because getting older, it's a shit show. And if you don't take care of your, your little meat vehicle, your meat suit, it's going to fall apart and you're going to live a drastically reduced life as you get older. Um, are we both vac- Are you vaccinated now? You're fully vaccinated now, right? Yeah. I got my second one last week. So um, I'm actually probably going to come down your way around Thanksgiving time if you're in the area. Yeah, we still so should be. Yeah. I should be able to like yeah. come out for like at least a beer or something. See, see you, Absolutely. meet you in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll do we'll do something here from the from the the, the Addison versus studio. Yeah, yeah, that that'd be awesome. Because my 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 brother invited me to come down for for Thanksgiving. I haven't seen him in like well, I saw him yeah. recently, but like it was real quick. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Uh, yeah, Mama Bear just got her second one today, so she's gonna not feel sweet tomorrow. So did you have symptoms? Did she? Did you or... when you after you got oh. your second? Yeah, I spent like the the whole afternoon. So basically, I came home. About thirteen hundred, and I just crashed on the couch, and I slept until bedtime, and I went to sleep. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, that was it. Nothing else. I, by the next day, I felt fine, but I felt terrible, and I was like, I know that I just need rest. I know that's how my body works. Yeah, that's why sometimes it made me mad when I was a younger marine, and like people would be like, "You need to go to sick call." I'm like, "Look, I need orange juice, and I need to go to sleep." Yeah, <laughs> sometimes rest is all you need. Yeah, you know? and and I won't have to deal with this. Like I'll just be out. And they made me go. I was so mad. Yeah. I so I got tired and I got the body aches, but I also had a weird one where my lymph node, lift? yeah, my lymph yeah. node in my armpit like swell up and it was like really tender. And I was like, "What the fuck is this?" I had to like Google it, and it's like, "Oh, it's it's normal." Apparently, a bunch of women have been going getting mammograms. They were just like, "Do I have cancer now?" <laughs> I was, that seems legit because oh. I was just like, "Whoa!" Like, what? Why is this like that? Yeah. <laughs> It happened with my my smallpox smallpox yeah my smallpox vaccination it got like you get the lymph node swelling on both sides so pretty normal yeah because your body's trying to like whoa and like goes into overdrive and yeah. I, I'm actually glad that I got some symptoms afterwards because then I know my my you know my my immune system actually knows like hey this is something to look for look for and this is how you defeat it so yeah. yeah. People who get like get sick and are mad about it, I'm like, that just means you're better at fighting that thing. Yeah, I don't, I don't ever mind getting sick. That's marine shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> All you did was get better. That's yeah. what happened. Until you get out, then you get worse. All right. <laughs> Have a good night. Later, man. 2006 appliances. Everything was original from the house. The microwave expected when I took out microwave, put in microwave. No. no. 4,000 times lifting the microwave up. It was annoying. Then the dishwasher, a full extra cabinet space away from the sink where water and drain and everything else is supposed to go. Uh, so- all right, let's, uh, let's get this one started. Hopefully it won't be too long. This one will be kind of interesting because it's funny because I had... I don't even know. Yeah, I know. It's, it's going to be great when I start talking about it. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>